Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into a Monday edition of Sports Call. I am not Ryan Lavoy. That's right. Don't adjust your speakers. You're not hearing. You're hearing it correctly. Ryan Lavoy off today, our usual host here on Sports Call. I'm Brooks Childress. I'm usually on the show Tuesdays, Thursdays, and sometimes Fridays, depending on where I'm going for high school football. Uh, but I am taking the reins today, as we call it a bullpen day here at the at Sports Call. So I am the host seat today. I'm joined by Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy. If you want to call in to the ortho Clinic phone line. Give us a call at 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Uh, phone lines are already starting to fill up here to this afternoon. I think a lot of people want to talk about uh, what happened on Saturday, and I wish we could talk about better news from the gridiron on Saturday for the Auburn Tigers, but unfortunately. Uh, we, we don't have a good report from College Station, and uh, we'll break all that down here this afternoon. we got a great show coming up for you today. Like I said, we'll talk about that Auburn-Texas uh, A&M game. We'll talk about the SEC weekend in general in college football, looking around the world of college football. We'll touch on the Braves a little bit as they enter their final full week of the regular season, headed into the postseason. We'll talk a little Atlanta Falcons. They played yesterday right here on Tiger 95.9, suffered their first loss of the season. We'll dive into that, slash some NFL talk here. And then, of course, we've got your usual we'll your five at five coming up at 5 p.m central time we also have best and worst of the weekend from us and the, uh from everybody here and then we'll finish up the show with the nightly tv guide brought to you by our friends who are at white claw hard soldier like i said get your phone calls in 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine i had a great weekend watched a lot of college football watched a lot of football in general and so it was uh it was a good football weekend for me my wife has never been more interested in a football game until yesterday afternoon about three o'clock when the report started coming in that taylor swift was at the kansas city chiefs game and so she got locked into football for the first time i think i've ever seen her this locked in not even not even the iron bowl got her this locked into it uh, and she was in the student section for for one of those that the the field got stormed so it was a big day, big weekend in football. Uh, like I said, had a great weekend. Now let's hear from the other guys here in the studio, Tom and Brant. We'll start with Brant. How was your weekend? I know you made a trip to Dothan on Friday, and that went uh, it went well for you, not for the team that you were calling for. No, it, it was a, it was another tough week for the Smith Station Panthers. You know, uh, Brian Garrison still in his first year as head coach down there, uh, still trying to figure out the culture. I think that he wants to establish, but uh, it, it's kind of. Well, we can liken it to Hugh Freeze. Right now, things are just not great down there, and he needs a little bit of time to make it better. Uh, I will get more into my thoughts on that because I think that Brian Garrison has a better excuse than Hugh Freeze does, uh, but we'll get into that as we continue on. Uh, Auburn football is going to be the dominant topic today, so I'm going to use this time to talk about non-Auburn <laughs> football things. Uh, Atlanta United has clinched a spot in the MLS playoffs. Good strategy here. Yeah, uh, fantastic stuff from them. And the Braves are the first team in Major League Baseball to hit 100 wins. They are the back-to-back 100-win seasons for the first time since 2002-2003. So fantastic stuff from the Atlanta Braves. There are the magic number for home field advantage throughout the playoffs 
uh, and through the NLCS is three. So you, you need to win three of these remaining, I think, seven games that they have left, and uh, they will have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So really good stuff there. There are only two teams that could uh, have a better record than them at the end of the season. That's the Dodgers and the Orioles. But obviously you just want to go ahead and get the best record in Major League Baseball because you've been the best team in Major League Baseball. Pretty incredible stuff from them. Um, Auburn football was not good. In fact, you could say it was very bad. And we'll get more into the weeds on it as we go. Um, But my overall view of it is we keep hearing things about the talent gap and how recruiting hasn't been there. And and all of that's very true. Uh, The players are certainly just not good enough to keep up with top-tier SEC talent. And Texas A&M has SEC talent, even if you don't love their coaching. You can't blame all of that on the talent gap. And I I have reasons for thinking that that we'll get into at some point. I want to give Tom a a chance to give his thoughts first. But just a a poor, poor showing from the offense especially. I think the defense played valiantly for as long as they could hold on. They were gassed by the end of that game, and that's why A&M was able to run up the score a little bit. But just uh, poor, poor showing from the offense for sure. Tom, it's been yeah. a minute since we've seen you. You were out last Wednesday. Yeah. Feeling a little under the weather. I was but, a little under the weather Wednesday. But, but, but you're I'm, back. Yeah. Um, How was your weekend? Oh, weekend was good. Filled with work for the most part. But uh, yeah, uh, there was a lot of good stuff that went on this weekend in sports to talk about. Uh, you know, the Braves continue uh, what they're doing, even though they did lose some games. They are the first 200. Uh I was very interested in something that happened with the Tampa Bay Rays, which I may get into in best for worst. Because, uh, you know, Montgomery Biscuits, Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. There's a little something that happened that I'm going to talk about later on. Unfortunately, uh, the Montgomery Biscuits didn't make the championship series. Uh, again, potentially best and worst. I don't know. But there is a particular player from the Biscuits yep. uh, that I'm going to touch on later in the show. But I'll just I'll leave it at that. Uh, Auburn football. Let's go. Let's before I go into Auburn football around the country football. A lot of things happened exactly like I thought they were going to play out. I said that Oregon was probably going to mollywhop Colorado and really kind of bring that whole thing back down to earth, and it happened. Uh, so you know, Bo Nix. Goodness gracious, Auburn fans just crying in their cereal over Bo Nix not having him here and watching him do what he's doing at Oregon right now. So that happened the way I thought it was going to happen. Also, I really thought that Alabama was going to take care of Ole Miss and, and kind of – I don't know that it's so much that Bama's back, you know, or the dynasty's still intact. I don't know that anybody's necessarily saying that because that was not just a full-on dominant butt-kicking mm. like you've seen Alabama dole out yeah. so many times. But they still won, and they still won convincingly. That's kind of where I thought that was going to go. Does this does this feel like very early Nick Saban to you guys, where the offense just kind of goes out there and piddles around and scores occasionally, while the defense is just kind of suffocating? Yeah, and that that's very much what this feels like to me. Outside of the Texas game, because Texas is a right. really good offense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I really do, and I that's the kind of thing I've been telling folks and saying to whoever would listen to me uh, say it is that I don't I just don't think that Alabama is dead in the water. I I. I don't buy that. They've got too much talent on both sides of the ball. They've still got so many talented coaches there on both sides of the ball. I, I don't believe for anything that they are dead in the water as much as people want to just go ahead and write them off after that one loss. So 
Uh, they they took care of business against Ole Miss, which I figured they would, and see how that goes moving forward. So a lot of other stuff going on, and then in the NFL, uh, a lot of good stuff going on there. You already talked about uh, Taylor Swift in the box watching the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey, and I mean that to me that was just funny. I yeah, it is what it is. I'm not a Swifty or anything like that, but I thought it was neat her up there screaming less like, less f and go when he scores a touchdown are you excited to welcome in a new uh fan base into the nfl world the swifties oh, will now Lord. be paying attention. i i think I, most of the swifties are mad that that or at least there was one that was on social media that was angry that that because those swifties aren't really known for football and it's oh. like why is she selling out to him i don't know i mean it's all this kind of junk anyway i i have this thought in my head and i've told brooks about it and i've also tweeted it out I really want the first NFL Hall of Fame head coach that's a woman to be just now discovering the sport because <laughs> Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. That's my that's my my head canon, I guess. That that someone out there, the the first great female football head coach is just now discovering the sport of football. And somewhere out there she is growing into a, a very good coach. I want to know before we go back dive back diving to Auburn, into this thing. Before we go back to Auburn football, Will there be a record attendance at the Jets game on Sunday? Not oh, it, well, you you know ticket price is not an object to Taylor Swift fans. Oh, I know. I, I you, married you one. You know I better know. than I do. <laughs> yeah, I married one. Yeah. Um, and we, we did go to the one of the Atlanta shows, so I know the uh, the, the ticket price is no. But will the Chiefs ever play an away game again? <laughs> that's as long that's As great. long as those two are together. Now, the second they break up, Immediately, there are no more home games for for the Chiefs. Well, except for Arrowhead. I th- I think the Swifties can pack out Arrowhead. True. I think the Swifties could take over Arrowhead. That All is right. a very large, single-minded fan base. All right. That's enough Taylor Swift for right now. Maybe we'll get back into it a little bit later if we touch on the... Well, the yeah, well, and I was also going to continue. I mean, just with the we, NFL... We yeah, we Well, yeah, we went on the Taylor Swift thing. Uh, a lot of other stuff in the NFL is good, but I mean, the Miami Dolphins did something that was just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Actual video game numbers. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, numbers that have not been put up since the 60s and almost broke some records that were from black, back in the black and white television days. So uh, they, it makes you wonder, you know, are the... Are the Mi- Ten uh, touchdowns. Ten touchdowns, yeah. That's incredible. And it makes you wonder, though, I mean, the Miami Dolphins really that good or the Broncos just that bad or a combination of both? I think both. I love but, my – I love uh, – what I say I love – Mike McDaniel? Mike, yeah. Is that the – the, the the head coach of the yeah, Dolphins. Mike McDaniel. Okay, thank you. I, I thought it was, but it, who's the – yeah, Mike McDaniel. I love that guy. I love I love his offense. I think he's funny. I think he's a character. Um and I, I really love what he's been able to do with Tua Tagovailoa because he he takes the things that Tua is good at and accentuates them mm. to the point where you can score 70 points while also hiding Tua's weaknesses. And I think that's just an incredible job that he's done. Anything else, Tom? Uh, no, well, I mean, and, and then, you know, you get into Auburn football, which we're going to talk about a lot. Yeah. Uh, just terrible. Um Defense, bless bless their heart. (laughs) I I mean, that's really kind of what you feel like with a defense. I mean, and man, it feels like we've been saying this for years now. Defense just plays their butts off. Yeah. But they're on the field all the time because your offense is just so inept to do anything right now. 
And so the defense, I mean, they the poor guys barely even have a chance to get over there and get some water squirted in their mouth before they're right back on the field again. Um, and, and this one, I don't know. that Brian Batte did okay on the ground, but Auburn just cannot get their running game going consistently enough. And then you might as well just hang it up in the passing game right now. I don't know. Peyton Thorne is is not what I thought he was going to be. Uh, and we already know what Robbie Ashford can or cannot do. So, honestly, I'm thinking it, it may be time to just go ahead and pull the cover off of Holden Gurner and maybe see what he can do. Uh, Peyton Thorne, I've, I've lost the confidence in him, mainly because there were so many plays that were dialed up perfectly for him against Texas A&M and he just will not see the field when he does see the field he's not making the throw to where uh, consistently enough he's overthrowing guys uh, numerous times that he would roll out of the pocket instead of keeping his eyes downfield and there would be dudes breaking open it's like there's no anticipation by him of, of a guy coming open and being able to put the football on a dime where it needs to be it, it's bad um I mean, his his quarterback play is really, really bad right now. And you're not going to succeed much at all if you don't have at least somewhat of a capable quarterback. I don't think Peyton is him. We know what Ashford can do. So I I, I honestly think that it's time to go with Gurner and see what happens. I mean, you can't get any worse than what you're doing right now. So why not? Trot out the guy that was a you know at least a very highly rated recruit when he came to Auburn. You know, granted it was under Brian Harson, but he was still a, a four star kid coming out of high school. So, I mean, do something because what's happening right now ain't, ain't, ain't kicking it. I mean that that is about as inept of offensive play as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, it's very clear. I think that. Holden Gurner is by far the most talented of the quarterbacks that you have, at least as far as being a quarterback. Robbie, obviously the best athlete. Um, but, yeah, bleh, yeah, quarterback plays bad. Quarterback plays real bad. And, and not all of it is on him. The offensive line struggled as well. Sure. But certainly. But there were plenty yeah, of times that yes. they gave him exactly what he needed. And yes. guys were open. Yeah. And he just wouldn't yeah. see him. He, he either <clears throat> missed him or he threw the ball over their heads. It was, it yeah. was weird how – He's he's shown that he has arm talent. He can make good throws, but just he got into this game and it, he didn't look comfortable. He he never once looked like he knew where he was. Well, the the thing is, I mean, he has looked he he's looked fine against UMass and he looked fine against Samford. But in these two Power Five games, he's like he just yeah. he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, uh, and he and he is missing guys that that are open and he's making the wrong decisions. And it's you almost have to feel like is the stage a little bit too big for him. It, the stage is not too big for him when you're playing FCS teams or you're playing, uh, you know, the worst team in, in football in UMass. Okay, you're comfortable there, but against Cal, he looked like a deer in headlights. Could not make the throws, making terrible decisions in the Cal game. Again, um, this week again, it's Texas A&M. Again, misreads, uh, bad throws to guys that are open. Uh, sometimes the wide receivers didn't help with a, with a couple of drops, but a lot of times it was bad throws that the receivers were trying to make incredible catches with. And I mean, you know, unless you you have just the the stickiest of hands wide receivers out there, you're you're making them make circus catches. Um, times where uh, he would roll out, he would get out of the pocket that was there, 
and would just his eyes were no longer even downfield. His eyes were like at where he was running, and it's like, bro, you've got two dudes wide open right now. If you would just sit in the pocket for like three more seconds, or not, maybe you're not three, but at least two seconds longer, there are guys open. In fact, there was one play that I, uh, I was sent to me that you can already see he's already turned his head towards the sideline and is breaking. There's a guy inside the 30 that has broken wide open for a touchdown. Well, he's not even looking at him. He's already looking at the direction of the sideline where he's running towards. He's like, He'd already given up hope on what was there. But if you look, the pocket around him is perfectly fine. It's like, why, did, why are you belling out of that? That is like the most perfect pocket, and you've got two dudes that are wide open that if you just sit there for two more seconds and and pull the trigger. But the other problem is, and this is where I have the issue with, with Thorne right now, that's an example of him taking off too quick when he didn't need to and guys had broken open. And if you just give yourself just a couple more seconds in there, these guys are there if you see them. That's the other thing. The second of all, second of all you got to be able to pull the trigger because there were times that he did stay in the pocket and guys were open and he's just holding the ball and it's like yeah, he's he's staring them throw, down throw the ball it's like he doesn't he doesn't there. trust himself he doesn't, he doesn't trust I, I, himself right exactly now. and, and I, thing, I don't think he trusts himself or trusts anybody around him yeah I, I, the weird thing is like you know he can do well this guy won the Big Ten at Michigan State that is the second best conference in all of college football you cannot be a scrub doing that he threw for six thousand yards. In two years at Michigan State, maybe three. Either way, had really good stats at Michigan State. He can do this. It's just right now, I, I think he's too far in his head. He does not trust himself to make the throw. And that brings me into game plan decisions that I don't like. Hugh Free said it himself earlier today. They did not have any RPO throws. He did not throw any RPOs. They didn't call nearly enough. And when you have a quarterback that's in his own head like that and struggling to make those 10 to 15-yard throws – Get him some easy stuff. Get him some quick stuff. Get him something to get in rhythm and then work up to those uh, those yeah. harder throws. And that was something I didn't see nearly enough of from Auburn. Auburn football, disappointing performance on the road at Texas A&M on Saturday. We'll talk more about it after we hit our first break. Remember, give us a call, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. When we come back, we'll dive more into this Auburn Texas AM game and we'll hit the phone lines of the orthopedic phone li- clinic phone line right after this you're listening to sports call on Tiger 95.9 into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm i'm trevon reed former auburn tiger football player national champion you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on a Monday. I'm Brooks Childress filling in for Mr. Ryan LaVoy, who is wrapping up eating a cheeseburger the last time we heard from him down in Tampa. (laughs) Cheeseburger in paradise, am I right? He's getting ready to watch his Buccaneers play tonight against the Philadelphia Eagles on one of two Monday night football games. Jealous a little bit that uh, he gets the day off, but 
I'm here. Brant's here. Tom's here. Howdy. It's a bullpen Hello. day is what I like to call it. Going to the lefty. Well, I'm a righty. He's the lefty. So you're, you're going oh, to the Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You're right. He is he's, a lefty. Okay, he's so lefty. we I'm had to bring in the righty. I'm the right-handed specialist right. today. That's not really a thing, though. Not, not a lot of right-handed specialists. Anyway, I, I digress. This is Sports Call on a Monday, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Before we get more into this uh, Auburn and Texas A&M football game and the rest of college football, we want to start things off today by going to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. All of our Sports Call callers and just guests join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. The Orthopedic Clinic has been serving the people of East Alabama since 1971 and is your go-to center for orthopedic care. Visit them online today at theorthoclinic.com for more information. We'll start things off on the road, but he's from Auburn. It's Trent joining us on the on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Trent, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing pretty good. Well, I mean, I'm still recovering from this uh, from Saturday. It was rough. I think most but, of us uh, are. I know. Well, yeah, it's not a good. It's not a good way to start off a Monday. It does actually just affect your attitude. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna persevere. I'm hoping that everybody in the Auburn can just put that one behind us. And I'm hoping that you know there's plenty of lessons to be learned uh, from this. Uh, I hope that Auburn will just pick it up and remember our identity. I mean, we're, if you think about it, we're running back you. Seriously, look at all the performances of the running backs that we have. And I say, well, we got like five running backs right now that can play just about anywhere. Yeah. And I think, I think we need to sell ourselves out on that. We need to sell out for the run game. Put the, uh, put the passing game a little bit back on ice. And let's go with the things that are successful, and let's establish the run first. We got five guys that can do it. They're coached by one of the best people in the game, and one of our highest, 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 most prolific, most motivating people. Probably second only to Deion Sanders in college football, and that's Cadillac. I think we need to sell out on the run first, and then maybe start picking up the passing game after that. What do you think? I, I think that makes sense. I think with the roster that Auburn has right now, and and very clearly. The passing game is not something you can rely on, uh, given through the four games that you've seen so far against Power 5 opponents. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Auburn needs to lean into the run game first. I also think that's what the offensive line is better at. This offensive line struggles in pass protection, but uh, for spurts, especially against Texas A&M, they've looked really good in run blocking. So I think with the talent that you have at that running back position, that's where you need to lean first. Right. So, I mean, when you saw Texas A&M line up that 3-3 defense, you know, I don't know why we're trying to slide off the passing. Everything that they were doing when they're running kind of 3-3 or they're coming off of those outside blitzes, our line just couldn't slide. We couldn't get the right protection out of that. Everything with a 3-3 says, scream it. You can double-team the nose, and you can probably get about two, two, three yards just blowing the front three off the line before that linebacker steps up and makes a play. And listen, I'll take our running backs – against any of their their linebackers one-on-one, and we'll probably get about three, maybe four yards off a of play. And I'm pretty satisfied with if you can run it three times and we got a punt, I'll take that rather than going backwards off a pass play that's just kind of pass system that's just ultimately failing. Yeah. You know, when I look back at what happened last year after we got rid of Harson, we, we went back to the run. We went back to the simple things that got us places. I think we need to quit being trying to overcomplicate and outthink teams and just go back to simple things and running the ball. 
Yeah, I, I don't think you can win a national championship just straight up running the ball 50 times a game and that being your only offense. But I think right now with where Auburn is, I think that's the best solution for this year where the expectation coming into it was win seven games and, hey, if you get eight, then consider it a bonus. But I, I agree. If Auburn continues to play like this, they're gonna they're probably going to get six, and that's where they're going to be stuck. Right. So, I mean, you talk about this 50-50 balance stuff. I would much rather see, like, one-third, two-thirds. I'd rather see two-thirds run, one-third pass. Yeah. You know, going going at this rate uh, with this. And, you know, I'd probably see probably an increase in production. I'd probably see, you know, maybe like 150, 200 yards rushing and maybe 100 yards passing. It still beats the 56 yards passing and the 100, you know, or, you know 100 and something that we had rushing. I don't know. I just think it ends up in a more productive manner. Even if we are predictable, we're still, they can't stop it as well. And, and you've got a few running backs where you, you can, ba- you know, if, if you get a, a good enough run blocking that you can basically get to the point, uh, you would hope, that you do, like, like what you just said, say, hey, we're running the football, try to stop us. Right. You know, it just seems, it just seems that, that way. I mean, I also think that they're just trying to overcomplicate things on, on the passing. If you can't hit a guy off a quick slant, you know, like like other teams do against us. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. You know, they have their starter go out, and then their backup comes in and hits the slant. We got three guys that can play quarterback, and neither one are, are kind of producing or given an opportunity to run their game. It's just so frustrating to see see the other teams adjust to adversity and us struggle just to get mediocrity. But line play is a lot better, so. You know, if we had tried running last year with the poor offensive line that we have this year, I think we can at least do a great things with the pretty decent line that we have this year. You know, sky's open on that that one, and that's probably how I'm just gonna kind of end my end my uh, Monday. I think we've got some opportunities and some good things looking forward to us if we just make those adjustments. Well, awesome! Thank you so much for the call today, Trent. All right. Well, you have a good one in War Eagle. War Eagle. That was Trent calling from Auburn. He's technically on the road, is what he told me uh, when he when he called in. But Trent from Auburn making some good points there about the running well, game and the the offensive sure. line. Sure. And, and so, uh, so I'll say this: if you if if they look at the film and they decide that the running game is where they want to go, there's two things that need to happen. First of all, then Robbie Ashford needs to be your starting quarterback. Agreed. And then you have got to start running some true RPO stuff with him, mm. not design quarterback keepers around the end, not anything that's you know a, just a designed draw or designed whatever. It's it needs to be a true RPO type thing, and Ashford's the guy that I think can do that for you. Uh, if, if you're still damned to determine that you're going to have to throw the ball, uh, then I think Gurner is probably your your best bet. But I you know I'm thinking again. If you still don't have, if you're not comfortable with Gurner throwing the ball, and you just feel like that you need to run it more than you do, then that, then that needs to be Ashford up under center, not Thorne, not Gurner. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I'm not in those rooms with them. I don't know what they're all looking at on film, what they see, and what their ideas of what they want to do. Uh, but they're going to have to figure out something pretty darn quick because uh, guess what? The Georgia Bulldogs are coming in here, and if you don't have anything offensive against that type of defense that they're about to come in here, then you're you're about to get embarrassed on your own home home football field. You know, I I don't I don't even think like if you want to throw, if you want to run that RPO game, you have to replace the quarterback. Like Auburn just didn't do it. Auburn did not run the RPOs against 
Texas A&M that, again, I, I, I keep beating this dead horse, but my God, this is what Hugh Freeze made his money popularizing. He made the RPO system something that you can base an offense around while he was at Ole Miss. That's what he did. He got famous for doing that. He beat Alabama twice doing that. I don't understand why it's not a bigger part of Auburn's offensive system because Philip Montgomery has, has history with it too, and it just seems like over and over again when you have a quarterback who's rattled and can't make these live ball decisions, why aren't we getting him some pre-snap reads? Why aren't we giving him easy throws that he yeah. can make? And I, I know we just talked about these quick slants. I don't remember Auburn throwing a quick slant against Texas A&M. Like, give me... Give me something where, as a quarterback, I can look at the alignment pre-snap and I know where I'm going with the football before the ball's ever snapped. You can't build the entire plane out of it. That's why Gus Malzahn was fired. That was all he did. But, my God, you can do some of it. And it's what made Hugh Freeze famous, and he's just not doing it. 334-887-341 locally. Toll free one 9 tiger 9 Back to the Auburn Bank phone line, or the, the orthopedic clinic phone hmm. line. And it is... Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joining us. Anthony, how are you doing this afternoon? doing good and you guys doing great you know before i get into you know, college football i want to ask you guys did you guys see the Denver broncos and the dolphins yesterday did, I, yep. did not see it did but i saw it. the final score watch the highlights you know, i've been watching football since the 70s when i was a kid and you can only catch one one or two games a weekend on television at that time and i can tell you i ain't never and i mean never seen a professional football game where that many points were scored Never in my lifetime can I can recall. And matter of fact, I emailed my father yesterday. He's 80-something years old. I said, well, uh, have you ever uh, known of a game? He said it was one time, but I, I, he couldn't remember what team it was. But, but one time, maybe 50 or 60 years ago, uh, he can recall uh, somebody scored those kind of points. But I, I just say n- never seen anything like that. And I'm just wondering, uh, has that ever been done before? The NFL record for points scored in a game, and I can't remember who did it or who they did it against, but it's 72. Uh, and, okay. yeah. and, exactly and what the, he said, 72 points. Yep, and the Dolphins had a chance to kick a field goal at the end of the game to make it 73 and set the new record, but they elected to take a knee instead. It was the uh, Chicago Bears 19, in 1940. Yep. And the Redskins okay. in 66. Well, yeah, he did mention that, so I guess he must have saw that in some highlights or some kind of archive that they showed some, from time to time over the years. Yeah. You know, uh, I tell you, I'm glad he didn't kick that field goal and, and, and get those extra three points. I, I mean, you know, Lord, I, I tell you. I'm wondering, has anybody been fired yet in the front office at Denver Broncos or a coach or assistant coach or somebody? No moves out of Denver. They're, that staff is in its first year. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I know they're in their first year and a lot of money is on the line, but I was on uh-uh. I don't care what kind of year they're in. The head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, somebody be gone. And I just turned to whoever left on the staff to finish out the year. And I guarantee you, uh, if I own it, I just had to take a bite and lose some money. But at the end of the year, uh, I'd sit down and reevaluate if that meant getting rid of half the team and shelling out a whole lot of money to do so and see what I get out of their draft and free agency and, and signing players that got cut here or there somewhere else. That's just what I do. I ain't no way in the world I keep a head coach on then embarrass my organization uh, like that. Hey, uh-uh. I don't care. If I got to lose uh, $10, $20, 30000000 million to pay him out, he's just going to have to go on. And I just take a loss. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's just money. And that's all it ever be. But, uh, uh-uh. No, that kind of embarrassing. Somebody had to go. Somebody. I mean, if that mean the strength conditioning coach or, or somebody's going to take the fall. Somebody in that organization, uh, like I said, whether it be a strength conditioning coach or assistant coach or, 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 or nutritionist or whoever, somebody's going to have to go. 
But uh, I just thought I'd say that. But I get into Auburn University football. The problem is recruiting. Recruiting in the last seven, eight years, nobody's done any recruiting as far as offensive line. Nobody's developing offensive line because they ain't had nothing to develop for whatever reason. I don't know if that's the administration's uh, in the way or I don't know if the people that got the big pockets, deep pockets with all the money, is going to too much control over the program and you can't get the players you want or some kind of connection with these high schools or whatever it is. You know, uh, we all know that the money is there. We know our university has two pilots or three pilots on staff or whatnot, and these airplanes that can go across the country for these coaches, uh, with these coaches on board to do recruiting or whatnot. So somebody got to make their mind up, uh, reevaluate the methods they use as far as they recruiting. Uh, I mean, you know, are we got enough people on the road? Or do we got enough people scouting for us to check out talent that we might not know about that might be hidden away somewhere in Texas or up in the hills of uh, some uh, state somewhere deep that we don't know nothing about, uh, hadn't heard about, then they get out there and find it. I mean, you look at teams like Iowa, they've always had big linemen, uh, Ohio State, uh, Nebraska, whatever they got to do. I mean, you know, this day of NIL money, it's time to get the money together and get it going. You know, I mentioned on this show uh, several years ago, and people laughed, thought I was crazy or whatnot, but I mentioned, if you think about it, if 85 or 90 percent of your football team were made up of, of African-American athletes and uh, you're looking to get to Hallelujah land or whatever kind of land you want to get to uh, to win all these games, then uh, whatever you're doing may not be working as far as recruiting. And you want to go outside the box. And I had mentioned at that time if a certain kind of atmosphere or environment it was created, Think about it now. The only place you have black sorority and fraternity houses on a black campus, Tuskegee, that kind of place is what I'm getting at. That somebody at Auburn University, now if I was at Auburn and had influence with anybody that got those deep pockets, I'd say, look, I'm going to tell you something. We can create a certain kind of environment that the university itself would section off of some property or somewhere in Auburn, close to the university, they can't get it directly on campus. And build, go ahead and put the money out there and build these sorority fraternity houses. That way you'll create more non-athletes over here to go to school. And if you do that, most likely you're going to have more girls than anything. So when you bring in athletes, they got their women already on campus. In these places where you can go party and relax and enjoy that atmosphere, you're going to get the cream of the crop because no other uh, college in the country has anything like that. So that is something I thought I'd throw out there. But I'm going to tell you something. I hated to even see Auburn be on the field like that. When you think of the days of Pat died, when football was at his best, at his glory, and the way those guys put it on the line. I remember even when Pat died first year when he come in and took over for Barfield. Even though it, now don't get me wrong, Barfield did an excellent job recruiting, but he couldn't coach it for whatever reason. And Pat died worked those guys in their strength conditioning program and worked them on the field. I remember he saying one time that uh, – he put the ball on the one-yard line. He let everybody else win in. He kept the first-string first offense, first-string defense out there, and everybody else went in. And he told them, we ain't going in to either this ball, make it from this side of the field to the other side and get in the end zone. Ain't no way we're going in. And they just kept on going. They had uh, managers and, 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 and whatnot holding players up because they're about to pass out. But somehow or another, they, they got from one end to the other. And he said uh, he had to put Nebraska or somebody on the schedule to – so you can see what the upper echelon of athletes would like, even though he's going to take a beating and lose. But he did those things. And those guys went out every Saturday that year, and they put everything on the line, even though they might not won but five or six games, five games that first year and didn't go bowling or whatnot. But it set the stage for the next year when they went and got another piece of the puzzle, when they went and got Bo Jackson. 
and some more players over in Georgia and different things and brought them in and uh, messed around and both went over the top. And we all know what happened after that. Them proud Auburn teams out there with Wayne Hall calling that defense. I mean, I had never seen nothing like it back at that time when I was a kid in junior high school and had big old Tracy Rocker and Benjamin Rowland and, and Ben Thomas and, and Harold Hallman and them guys on that defensive front, just to name a few. And they just go at it and go at it. I mean, like they just out there want to murder somebody. Just like you let a, a criminal out of prison and he trying to survive on the street. I know that's, that might not be a good example, and I apologize. But that's how they went at it every Saturday. And then I tell you, people there doing that wave, that's when the wave was popular in the 80s in the stands, when the fans would do that. And they waved them. Joe Witt, Joe Witt would wave a towel, and people just jump up and start hollering and screaming. And uh, those teams were winning. And then was made Auburn, uh, uh, what it uh, you know, back to the glory days of Shug, Jordan, and things brought all that kind of stuff back. But I'm gonna tell you something. Somebody's gonna get out on the recruiting trail and recruit. I know uh, Hugh Freeze got some people committed, and we got to get y- y'all got to get them in next year and get them developing things. And he's gonna probably go in the portal and get some. But right now, I'm telling you, a ball control offense is, is what needs to be uh, done right now. Put uh, Robert Asher on the center, like it's been recommended. Go to some type of option-type football, maybe a short passing game with tight ends and receivers throwing the running backs out the backfield, and hope you can keep the ball maybe nine or ten minutes every quarter. But the thing is, you've got to have some points at the end of those nine or ten minutes if you can keep it that long, and your defense got to go out and play and get that ball back or either keep the other team from getting ahead and just continue to do that and hopefully if you can hold on, maybe at the end you might have a chance to win. Yeah, I, I I mean, I agree. The one thing I'm going to touch on, the recruiting. I mean, he's already doing the recruiting. He just has not had a chance to do it yet for, for this team. But uh, he's, right. he's got the big time uh, wide receiver that he's got committed uh, that flipped from Georgia. Another linebacker that flipped from uh, from Georgia. You got another guy that's about to make a visit that just decommitted from Georgia. Another wide receiver. That's a possibility. Still got the superstar uh, stud from uh, Phoenix City, the wide receiver that he committed to A&M. He's talking about he's looking around now, and everybody had kind of crystal balled him to Auburn. And, and you got Walker White coming in at quarterback next year. So I, I think the future looks fine. People are going to have to understand, and, and Hugh Freeze has said it himself, is that they are not where they need to be right now. Is it coming? Sure. But you got to give that a little bit of time. But that right now – you know, compared to these teams that have had five years to recruit, right, Hugh Freeze's right. staff has only had a few months to recruit. And so the team is just not where it needs to be right now. And Auburn fans are going to have to understand that. And they're going to have to understand that the losses are going to happen this year. That's why people have projected them with just six wins or seven wins. The losses are going to happen. Some of them are probably going to be pretty ugly. But you just got to keep your hope and your eyes facing forward and hope that that recruiting and the transfer portal law is going to build for better things in the future. Anthony, well, I wonder, actually, oh, huh? yeah. no, go ahead. No, you go ahead, and then I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to uh, change the topic, so you you go ahead with. Uh, go ahead. Well, I said I clearly understand the recruiting process, and, and that's what it's going to have to take place. I mean, you know, no miracles going to happen this year, so it's going to be two or three years before he can probably get where he need to get. But that, like I said, that depends on the, what he can get out of the portal, what may come out of a junior college, or what kind of talent is already developed that he can get in here. But I would clearly say that 
all three quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I don't know. I might keep Robert, Robbie Ashford around next year, but maybe at another position. But those other quarterbacks, I would relieve them of their scholarship uh, as soon as the season's over with. I'm just going to tell you the truth. There's no way that, that they need to come back for any kind of reason. Well, well, Thorne is done after this year. So, I mean, he's only got this one year of eligibility. He's, no? he's got another one after this Oh, one. he yeah. still does have it. I thought this was it for him. Because it, it was between him and Casey Thompson from right. Nebraska that was coming in. And Casey Thompson was the one that only had one okay. year left. I, oh, I thought Thorne only had the, this one year. But anyway... Um, Thorne is whatever. Uh, Gurner, I think, can be good. He's highly rated, but uh, but you got Walker White coming in here next year. Who, I mean, for all indications, I you, you would have to think that he may be a, a true freshman starter because he I did think some big things on Friday night in his he, high school game. Well, he's been doing some big things, and I mean, it's why he was a highly recruit, uh, highly recruited quarterback, uh, and has been one of the most valuable recruiters for Auburn since he committed. So. Uh, you know, all eyes are on him coming in and leading the way. I, I'd like to see Gurner have a little bit of a, a chance to see what he can do. Uh, if you're going to try to throw the ball some, I, I, I'd like to see Gurner a little bit more. I mean, his stats uh, against A&M were pretty terrible, but, I mean, they didn't really give him much of a chance. So, I, I'm just, I just don't think Peyton Thorne is, is the answer. I, just from the sample size that I've seen, I, I don't trust that he's the guy. I want to ask you guys something before you change the subject. Like right. he uh, said, wouldn't uh that particular play, it looked more like a tall sweep to me, but they said it was a forward pass, was an incomplete pass, and the AM defender scooped it up and, and scored a touchdown. Do you think that that looked more like a sweep to you, a tall sweep than a pass? I, it, the ball definitely did go forward. I thought Alston had possession of the ball, and it was a fumble. They ended up saying he didn't have possession. I disagreed, but you know, it definitely did leave Thorne's hands going forward, even though it was a, a pitch play. Yeah, I tell you, and Jimbo was all on the field, and I thought if a coach was Jimbo. on the field like that, 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 that play should have been blown dead anyway, right? Uh, it, apparently, Jimbo thought the play was already dead and was coming out right. to talk to the team. Uh, right. But no, the, the the play was still very much going on, and he just walked onto the field. And I I don't I don't know what the rule is there. I'm pretty sure that if that if Asante had run into Jimbo, it would have been a 15 yard penalty on A and M. But I I don't know. <laughs> he didn't have an effect on the play, so. All right. Go ahead and change the subject and see what y'all got. Uh, well, Anthony, I, I know you're a big Pat Dye guy, so I wanted to know, ask if you were looking forward to the the AP, the AP Alabama Public Television documentary that's coming on tonight. I've heard all about that. I've seen it in the paper, but I've got to go to work. I, maybe I can catch it on, on a playback or something. Yeah. But I'm not going to be able to see it tonight, so I, I probably could go back to demand and catch it on PBS, so I would assume uh, – when it plays again or whatnot, and I look forward to seeing it at that time. But I tell you, those Pat Dye days were something special here on the Plains. I just ain't never seen nothing like that kind of excitement that was around here. I mean, you know, watching review on the weekends, on the Sunday after the game, and going to a lot of those games on Saturdays like I did at that time uh, and really enjoyed that time. I mean, it just ain't been nothing like that since. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for calling in today. All right, well, thank you. That was Anthony calling in from Auburn on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Before we hit the top of the hour, we got one more break to hit, and then we'll be back. Wrap up first hour. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-341 locally, toll free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Right after this, more sports call. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. 
Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on a Monday. I'm Brooks Childress filling in for Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy, the usual suspects join me on today's program. If you missed any of the first hour so far, you can catch up in the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you just want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts and join us cool Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Make sure you find that podcast on any platform that you get your podcasts on. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. I'm enjoying a nice cherry Coke while I host the show. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not waiting till the podcast comes out to enjoy a nice uh, Coke. I'm, I'm currently enjoying a nice cherry Coke as we uh, continue on with this Monday. Brooks was staring me directly in the face while he was talking about drinking a cherry coke, as yeah. though he was saying it to me. Yeah, which is true. He is. He I'm does trying, have a cherry coke with him. I'm trying to be personable. Right. Right. You're li- pretending that I'm, I'm the audience. I'm connecting. I'm the listener. <laughs> <laughs> you do listen to me sometimes. Look at, look at me. I, I have a non-sponsored drink over here. So, no. is that? No. Mm, I can't remember who makes that, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna posit. It's not. It's not. It's not that. a Coke part. Okay. No. Well, here we'll move off of uh, the once again sports call podcast brought by our friends at Coke Cola. Just a couple minutes left here in the first hour of the show. Uh, James from Montgomery, retired Ward M. Steve are on the sports call orthopedic clinic phone line. We'll get to them at the top of the second hour of the program. So just hang on. We'll get to you in just a minute. Um, Tom, you talk about a drink. I had another. Um, Mount Dew Voodoo earlier. Oh, yeah. I, I drank one of those earlier today. Um, I'm still trying to get a grasp on the flavor. Uh, it still smells like um, Lifesavers to me, but when I drink it, it tastes like... Sweet tarts. Sweet tarts, or I wanted to say Smarties, but it had a more fruity flavor than the Smarties. Right. So I, I, I'm on. I'm starting to get on the train with your sweet tarts. Uh, well, taste. I also said Airheads, like cherry, Ooh, cherry Airheads. That's true. I just feel like, yeah... Yeah, it could it could be very well either of those. Um, I'm gonna look it up and see if somebody has actually said diagnosed what, it yet. Has, yeah, because they they don't announce it till Halloween night, right? They they come out and say what it is on Halloween night. Oh, it, oh I I didn't realize that. I think I think I read somewhere where they because I looked up like right right when they right the day that you had us try it last week or the week before, I looked it up to see if somebody had done it uh, then. And it said it'll be revealed on Halloween night. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And I also saw, and I, I hate to spoil this for our tasting um, pleasures next year, but there's a couple more. They're doing another Baja oh, wow. something next year. And then a, allegedly there's a peach. There, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of different flavors that they've got lined up. Because you'll have some that will, that will come out in the uh, Christmas time. Yeah. And so, uh, and then summer is, they, they usually bust out a whole bunch during the oh, summertime. Yeah. Um, I almost got the, uh, the bomb pop one, um, that was still in stores. Uh, speaking of new things that I tried yesterday, I had a very healthy dinner of Waffle House. Um, Mm. me and the wife went to Waffle House for dinner last night Mm. and you know what they have there that I didn't know. And I, I tried, it is a waffle. Yeah. Um, that I tried for the first time. The blessing of Jesus. 
pumpkin spice waffle. Mm. I had a pump. They have pumpkin. Waffle House is getting in on the pumpkin spice craze. I. I don't. And they now have a pumpkin spice waffle. I was immediately out, and now I'm thinking about it a little bit, and I don't know how to feel. It's weird. It it's it's got pockets of pumpkin spice in it. So like sometimes you'll get like a. a Okay, so it's not waffle. like the it's not like a pumpkin spice flavored thing. It is a waffle that is infused with pumpkin yeah. spice bits. Yeah, there's there's like pumpkin spice pockets. I'll say okay. in it. Um, there's there's a lot of some bites that you'll get that Sat- is. I am certainly intrigued. That it the, you'll get some bites that are just regular waffle. You can taste a little bit of a hint in there because it kind of spreads around, and then you'll get bites that are very much pumpkin spice. Um, not horrible. Um, uh, I I uh, it, it's it's fairly good. I I woke up this morning. With a, a craving for it, so it may be addictive. Mm. Um, so now I'm craving more pumpkin spice. So pumpkin I, I, spice. As we transition this week to our October, kind of spice? I don't think that's a Spice Girl. Pumpkin spice. That's not not the question I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just wanted. To as we transition as into we, as we transition to October, I may go into my white girl phase where I need more pumpkin spice. Now that I've had <laughs> a, a taste of it. Krispy Kreme's got their pumpkin spice. Donut is Grace is Grace a pumpkin no. spice person? Does she, she lean that hard into it? She is. She does not like pumpkin spice. Really? Yeah. Interesting. She did try. I like pumpkin cake. spice in some things. I don't drink coffee at all, so I've never had that. So I don't really like the pumpkin spice drinks. Yeah. But I do like uh, I, candy corn. Has like pumpkin spice flavored candy corn. I love that. She she did have some of the waffle yesterday, and she said it was fine. Um, I do think she enjoyed the donuts from Krispy Kreme last year. Uh, and I brought home a pack. I think they've got a new a couple new ones out this year, but I may have to transition to more pumpkin spice as we head to October. No. And gets cool. Not a pumpkin here. spice fan here. It's it's okay. Not it's not thing. for everybody. Not my and I, thing. I'm not I'm not seeking it out, but like if there's new stuff, I'll try it. And that's gonna end the first hour when we talk about pumpkin spice. When we come <laughs> back, more Auburn football talk, I promise. We'll get back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. We'll talk more college football, some NFL football, some Braves. One hour is down, two hours to go on this Monday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back. Hour number two starts right now on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Communications app, our website, thetiger.fm, and the Sports Call podcast. This is Sports Call. I'm Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy. Join me. 
this uh, Monday edition of Sports Call. Monday, September 25th, the final Monday of the month of September in the year 2023. Auburn football falls on the road to Texas A&M 27-10 over the weekend. We're talking all about it right now. We, we also mentioned some pumpkin spice stuff, but that'll stay in the first hour. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good afternoon here on Sports Call. Ryan Lavoie, your usual host in Tampa right now, getting ready to see his Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Philadelphia Eagles. He should be getting to the stadium about right now. It's about two hours to kick yeah. off. So he should be getting to the stadium or already in the stadium, taking advantage of uh, pregame festivities down there in Tampa, getting ready for big game on Monday Night Football. One of two Monday Night Football games tonight. Uh, we'll get to those a little bit later on in the program. If not before, we'll talk about it in the nightly TV guide. 334-887-341, uh, locally toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 It's how you get on the Auburn, uh, the, uh, the orthopedic clinic phone line. Uh, all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. The orthopedic clinic has been serving the people of East Alabama since 1971 and is your go-to center for orthopedic care. Visit them online today at theorthoclinic.com for more information. As we go back, as we start the second hour of the program, we'll go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, and it is... Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joining us on that phone line. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? Well, Brooks... Tom and Brent, I'm uh, still recovering from partial blindness, Gus Malzahn, and Jeremy Johnson PTSD symptoms. <laughs> well, yeah. I, Does that about wrap it up? I was going to say, gl- glad you're having a good Monday. Now, other than that, <laughs> uh, weekend was really enjoyable. Uh, thank God the weekend is over. Okay, uh, the reason I made those comments, guys, well, let me add this one, too. Because uh, primetime definitely um, had, had had this uh, comment that definitely described our offense. Um, our offense, uh, as primetime alluded to his team, was like hot hot garbage. I believe uh, was his words he used. Hot garbage. Yeah, it was the prettiest. Um, and uh, that's that's what I'm going with. But uh, well, let's let's get to it, guys, because uh, I heard the comments from the other callers and about running the ball and running the ball. Well, you know, unless you got Bo Jackson because they know Bo Jackson getting the ball and they can't stop his, um, eventually they're going to have nine, ten people just lined up to stop your uh, running attack, and then what do you do? Yeah, well, and that, that's where that, uh, that that actual, the true RPO comes into place, because uh, if you stay... we didn't see it. We didn't see it son, Saturday, man. No, 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 I know. That's what I'm saying. If, if you're going to run the ball, then that's what you're going to have to start doing, because, yeah, they're going to stack the line, and they're going to dare you to beat them through the air, because... You've shown that you can't. You've shown that you can't throw the ball with any sort of consistency. So, yeah, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm I'm bringing it up there, and I'm like, hey, you, I, I dare you to pass the ball on us. Okay, you know, guys, the old saying that has been around for a long time is that, you know, maybe Pat Dodson, I don't know who said it, but, you know, if you've got two quarterbacks, you got none. Well, if you got three quarterbacks, what do you have? Uh, you definitely got none. You got, got worse trouble, than none. I think Brooks, yeah, Brooks I, said that we, we got a problem. Yeah, you got a well, problem. This is what I was saying about – I mean, yeah, I don't. Got people trying I don't to bring right now. in the mix. No. I, I do not want to uh, be fortune telling here because everything I've read and saw with my eyes, uh, Hugh Freeze at other places was that he didn't play this kind of crap offense. Uh, he didn't do you know the slowing down and then revving it up. He was always fast, and he had quarterbacks uh, that actually were quarterbacks. So right now, you know, uh, I'm trying to make sense of this comment. 
from Hugh Freeze's, uh, Hugh Freeze's comments today. And here's what he said, quote, Practice was really good last week. Uh-oh. That sounds like who? Gus Malzahn 2.0? Yeah, Jeremy Johnson. And, and then he went to say this one was the real kicker. I mean, quote, he's really sharp in practice. Referring to who? Peyton Thorne. Yeah, really sharp in practice. Last week, particularly, was really, really sharp in practice. Uh-oh, who else used to be really sharp in practice? Jeremy Johnson? Yes. And I'm, I'm watching this guy, uh, and that's why I was going partially blind. But, gee, we, 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 had, we had a good enough defense that we should have and could have won that damn game. Agree with me or disagree? I was no, going to say that the score was 6-3 to three at the half. So yeah. they, it, and they were going to a backup quarterback in the second half. You you had a chance to win that football game. Yeah, the, defense is not defense is definitely yeah defense is not the problem. Guys, and he wouldn't see them. He didn't look their way. Uh, he'd either overthrow people or our receivers would drop one. Uh, example: Jay Fair probably could have had a damn touchdown. He overthrows him, right? Yep. On the sideline. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about Camden Brown? All we needed uh, to for him to catch, he caught it and then drops it. It would have been for, for at least a first down, if not more. Um, I, let me go on. And then we have stupid-ass penalties uh, that, that would constantly take us out of even field goal range. Batty, I gave him offensive player uh, of, the, of the game, uh, for that game. Um, he, he ran for probably, what, 30 yards? Holding. Yeah. The most penalized offensive line in the SEC right now. And this isn't yes. this isn't an excuse, but Hugh Freeze did say today that he sent a few of those plays into the to the, center, the league office for review because he said he didn't see some of the calls that were made this afternoon. But that's that's no excuse for losing the football game. Yeah, there was one call on Britain. Was it his name? Yeah, Gunner Britton. Yeah, then I said, how was that holding? That that cost us. But every time we'd get down closer to the, oh, because we have got in the red zone, there was a penalty. Yeah, yep. it, it, it was you. you it, whether it was a you know a call like you free said, if it was a, one of the calls that he sent in, or if it was a legitimate holding, it, it you just kept uh, shooting yourself in the foot when you got down there. And talking about quarterback, you know, he said the his word was we're uh, waiting right now, sort of like waiting in the water. Uh, wait in the water too long, you might drown. Uh, but guys, here's what I saw. You tell me if you saw it differently. I saw a indecisive and rather uh, anxiety-prone uh, starting quarterback. And then I saw another person uh, who actually is a running back but disguised as a quarterback. You know what I'm referring to, Robbie Ashford. Yeah. And then Holden Griner, you know, I'm saying, you know what, why don't we just go ahead and see what he can do, okay? Put him against Georgia. It's at home. Yeah, we might get the crap beat out of us, but so what? We're not going to win the game probably anyway, right? I mean, it's it's going to be a tough task. But I mean, Hugh Freeze has had some good things to say about Gurner, saying that he just he needs more reps. So, and you sure don't want to throw him to the Wolves and the Sharks uh, come LSU time at their place. That's a house of horrors. Yeah. So why not, guys? Convince me why we shouldn't go. Why Hugh Freeze wouldn't consider Bowden Gurner uh, as the quarterback for Georgia game? I mean, I. I I honestly, I mean, at this point, I mean, if you're saying that he needs more reps, I and I, we've seen a sample size on Peyton Thorne that's not good, and we've seen at least a year's worth of Robbie Ashford sample size, and we know what he can or can't do in the passing game. So why not go with it? 
my you might you might you might find something there my big or just you know thinking about it right off the bat the first thing i think of is you you know if, if you're talking you know highly of a gurner and, and you you think he could be a, a guy in the future do you want to dis- not destroy his confidence but do you want to hit his confidence going up against one of the best defenses in the country on this first start that that would be my biggest just thinking about it you know first first instinct thinking about what if gurner that that would be my big take is you don't want to you you know hurt his confidence in in the playing the position of quarterback by throwing him out there against the one of the top defenses in the country. Okay, you know when you're playing for a position, especially in the SEC, uh, hurting your confidence should be the last thing uh, that you have to contend with. I mean, that's why you came to play in the SEC at Auburn, any place. You know, uh, I didn't see any confidence or loss of confidence by Max Johnson, who left LSU, and I said, whoa, I said, we got a chance to win this game after we knocked out, uh, what's the name of Wegman. the starting Connor you Wegman. Know. No, 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 no. We have a history of knocking out starters, because this is, this is factual, and the backup comes and destroys us. Yeah. Hey, I wouldn't say he wouldn't. He didn't did. necessarily. De- he didn't necessarily destroy. I mean, seven of eleven for 123 yards. He did throw the two touchdowns, but I mean, those, those are not gaudy numbers that he put up. You just got it. You got a situation where a defense just got gassed. Uh, I mean, when you when you have an offense that can't even pick up yards, they had two yards in the third quarter. You almost have to try to be that bad on offense. Okay, your defense well, is just gonna wear out. That's just as simple as that. And this, 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 you know, I'm, I'm asking if if, if Hugh Freeze was able, I'd ask him these things, Coach. You're supposed to be a really, really offensive guru and really good at evaluating uh, quarterbacks and 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 developing them up and and training them up to to improve. You got a guy that you obviously thought was going to be really good. In fact, you said during the fall camp that you picked him based on what his decisiveness. And accurateness, and in Michigan State, he didn't do too shabby job. So, what do you explain? How do you explain this god awful performance against Power Five teams? I, I, so I mean, all right. So the thing I'll say is, Peyton Thorne had a good year two years ago. He did not have a very good year last year. Um, yeah, but I read with, with that it was due to his offensive line, which was really was really crappy. Well, and and that it could be that, but I mean, he still he didn't have a good year. The offensive line has given him some chances this year, but there's some things that Peyton Thorne were do he things that he was doing out there on the field that it's it's that's not something you coach. That's something that you just have to be able to do, and, and I mean the coaches are telling him these things to do keeping your eyes downfield wait in the pocket just a little bit longer have the confidence in your pocket find these guys anticipate these guys coming open these are the things that you just have to be able to do as a quarterback i mean they they can't the coaches can't be out there and use and puppeting him on a string and making him do it he has to do it for himself and he's not apparently he can do it okay in practice yeah but when he gets on the field he's just it's like he's deer in headlights and that shouldn't be. I mean, he's not a freshman. He is a fifth-year senior. That shouldn't be happening, should it? You wouldn't think so. No. So I, so we think we, we think he's. We, guy, why are we seeing somebody performing at this kind of level when you shouldn't be doing this? You know, you have played in a Power Five conference, and 
you know, you shouldn't be regressing like this. Steve, you, you Steve, better than this. Steve, if any of us knew the answer to that question, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be sitting in a coach's room somewhere, and we'd be fixing okay, the problem. But why? Why don't? Why didn't our coaches know it? Well, offensive coordinator is he? Uh, is he responsible for this crap? You know, because the play calling I was reading was not. Uh, Jason Caldwell called him out. The play call was not really uh, uh, helping. Uh, the, the the office the offensive line was not uh, blocking very well. I mean, it's all there. Uh, who who's this on, guys? Uh, it's on a combination. It's it's on the offensive staff and yeah. whatever that means to you. Yes, Philip Montgomery is going to take some blame for this. Hugh Freeze has got to take some blame for this. Also, Peyton Thorne's got to take some blame for this. He played poorly. There were some. Uh, Thomas talked about it. There were some. There were some re- open receivers. They got open. They were ready to receive the football. And Thorne either didn't throw it or threw it way over their heads. Peyton Thorne's in his head, in his head right now. He is he is not comfortable. Um, I think that there are ways to get him comfortable. I talked about it at the top of the show. Get him more of those quick RPOs. Let it be something that comes through quickly. Uh, let him let him make pre-snap decisions rather than post-snap decisions. Get him comfortable before you get to these deeper routes. And right now, the offense is just not doing that. There was a stat that was thrown out today at uh, the Hugh Freeze press conference by Brian Matthews uh, of Auburn Rivals, and he said that he, he saw it where it was Peyton Thorne was 4 of 5 this past weekend on play off of play action. So maybe you, you incorporate a little bit more play action uh, passes into this offense a little bit. And then you see him cowering when the defense comes at him and, and gets sacked. Well, yeah, there were, there were times where he had an open receiver and he didn't throw the ball, but there were also times where he was hurried. And look, when you're <laughs> – Peyton Thorne's not the biggest dude. He's not tiny, but he's not the biggest quarterback, and even the biggest quarterbacks are dwarfed by most defensive linemen in the SEC. So I don't blame him for not wanting to get hit and protecting himself. I, I don't have a problem with that part of it. And how come we still yet to see? That's why I'm saying about Gus Belzon, too. I, I saw very few, if any, slant passes or passes down the middle. There were times wide open. Why is that? It, it, I, either either Thorne didn't throw them or they weren't called. That's, that's part of what I'm talking about. These RPOs that Hugh Freeze got famous for running for and that Philip Montgomery clearly knows how to run, they didn't call them enough. And that, that part of it is on the staff. There were some game plan decisions that I have a lot of problems with, and that part is on the staff. It feels like... It's it, possible for all of it to be true at once. It feels like, you know, if you look at... You know, I want to go to the NFL here. You look at what uh, Mike McDaniel has done with Tua. He's uh, formed that offense to what Tua's strengths are. I think you mentioned that earlier, Brant, that he is getting the ball out of his hands super quickly. Uh, and now, granted... Tua at, at Miami's got some great playmakers with him, but he's getting and Tua, the ball. Tua doesn't suck. Tua's yeah. a good quarterback. He, he's getting the ball, but you saw the last couple of years he was having trouble with that, and Mike McDaniel has formed that offense to it. So maybe something kind of similar needs to happen here with Peyton Thorne is that Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery, and the offensive staff need to go in and kind of, and like you were saying, Brant, get some more, but first put in some more of those RPOs for him uh, and make sure that he. Oh, they're there. Auburn's he, run them. He's, he's, Auburn's gotta, run them this year. They just haven't called him. Pass the ball. Um, and then you know, play to his strengths a little bit more than just go with your base offense. And guys, speaking of quarterbacks, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we have not had a reliable and consistent and accurate quarterback since Nick Marshall. Now I don't know why we struggle with getting quarterbacks, and I'm including Bo Nix. Uh, where was that Bo Nix at Auburn that I saw Saturday? Uh, behind the worst offensive line in school history. 
Bo Nix has time, and that's why he's doing what he's doing now. Also, I, Jared Stidham was pretty dang good. He was. Nick Marshall was not no, the most no, accurate on. passer. Jared, when he was good, he was good. But when he was bad, he was damn bad. <laughs> Nick Marshall's playing corner in the CFL. Jared Stidham's not starting in the NFL, but he is playing quarterback. Jared Stidham was a better true quarterback than Nick Marshall. It's just the team was around, that was around Nick Marshall was a whole lot better. And I love Nick Marshall. I've called him the most underrated player in Auburn history. Well, I remember always wondering, is, which Jerson will we seeing today? Is it bad Jerson or good Jerson? Because you never knew. That's what I mean. We haven't had consistent, reliable, you know, passing uh, quarterbacks in quite some time. And I don't know why that is. It, it doesn't matter who the coaches are. And why do we struggle with, with good quarterbacks? I mean, uh, other teams seem to have uh, Nick Saban gets them left and right. Well, uh, Nick Saban Ohio gets anybody State. he wants. That's not, and so does Ohio State. That's not super replicable, but Auburn's had good quarterbacks. It's offensive line that's been the biggest issue the was, last couple was, of years. That's exactly the point that I was going to make is uh, you've had some good quarterbacks come through here. Nick Marshall, uh, he had a good offensive line. You had Jarrett Stidham, who you you started to see the offensive line was, and then Bo Nix, you know, fully believe he could have done those numbers at Auburn that he's done at Oregon the last two years if he had a more solid offensive line. And I think that's where it all comes back to the, the offensive line recruiting, going back to even the Bo Nix days. Okay, so this is what has got to get better, according to Sad Tiger. And this is not good. Sad Tiger, just a few moments ago, put up these stats. He says, I wasn't expecting a top 40 offense this season, but the first two games have been, in his words, horrible. In the last 40 seasons, guys, from 1984 to 2023, Auburn's offense averaged the following numbers against Power 5 competition. Yards per game, 364.6. Yards per play, 5.32. Average TD ratio, 24.7. Now, hold on. What, what, is, what does that mean? What does TD ratio mean? What does that mean? The amount, the, the uh, number of uh, TDs for every uh, play, for so many plays. Okay. And it's 59.5 plays is what it is. A TD every, so here we go. Through two Power 5 games, guys, for this year's offense, we were averaging, hold on to your seats, 215 yards per game. And All for right. the past 40 seasons, we've been averaging what? 364.6. We are averaging right now this season 3.61 yards per play. Through the past 40 seasons, our offense was doing 5.32 yards per play. And now we're only getting a TD every 59.5 plays. He says these are the three worst averages in the last 40 years of Auburn football. Yeah. How do, you correct, I mean, yeah the, how do you correct that, guys? How do you how do you fix that in the remaining games? Recruiting. That's that's no, no. that is it, it for that, this season. Oh, this, oh, season? this season? Steve, Steve, no one expected Auburn to win more than seven or eight games this year. No. Nobody I, expected I that. If we can if we can do six, guys. Yeah, look, six six is still very much on the table, but if you continue to play like this, then yeah, six is all you're gonna get. Because I think I right now I think that. right now I think Auburn takes Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and New Mexico State even though Hugh Freeze did lose to New Mexico State last year and was a 24-point favorite in that game. And right now, I wish Vegas would just give us a point. We're a 15-and-a-half-point uh, underdog. I, I wish – could, could Vegas just give our offense 15 or 16 points? <laughs> That'd be Didn't nice. A chance? That'd be nice. Because I can't even believe it's that low. I was expecting a 21- to 24-point underdog, guys. 
how do you explain that Vegas only has us as around 15 and a half, 16 point underdogs? It's a it's Georgia's a, offense is not super explosive right now. It's they're, a, they're putting up enough points to win. They're putting enough points to dominate, but they're not scoring 50 or 60 a game. It's a road game but, too. But guys, too. we haven't scored but three damn points in the entire a game Saturday it, offensively. It, it you know it, it goes like Brant was saying. Okay, so Georgia wins 28 to three. Slow start for Auburn or slow start for Georgia. Get out when they're in their games. They have been scoring late in the games, but it, it's you know it's a slow start and it's on the road. Auburn, you know, Jordan Hare Stadium. When it comes to the betting lines, plays a big factor into that too. Yeah, uh, Steve, the, the, this is one of those kind of hidden stats that uh, that I'm going to throw out there. And this is if Auburn on the offensive side, if you're going to start looking for something to start going better, one of, it's, this is one of the main stats. Against Texas A&M, Auburn was 3 of 15 on third downs. If you're going to start making any sort of headway, you have to do better on third down. You cannot be 3 of 15. You cannot have seven penalties on third down. Third downs are where you're going to have to get better. If you just start making any sort of headway towards getting successful, you got to be able to start converting some third downs and stay on the field because, again, you're wearing your defense out. When you cannot get off the field – or when, I'm sorry, when you can't stay on the field on third downs, then your defense is going to get gassed and you're going to end up getting your teeth kicked in. I would argue that the more important part of that third down stat is that Auburn averaged, I think, 12 yards to go on third down yeah, yeah. Uh, on Saturday. Exactly. That's, fact, that's far, that's far more concerning to me. Yeah, it was 11.7. That's what we averaged yards. Yeah to the game for first down. Yeah. And, yeah, that's that's not sustainable. No. Who, who's going to be able to correct that? Is it uh, Hayden? Uh, is it Thorne? Is it, it should, it can't you're be you're asking us to Ashford. predict the future right now. We don't know. We don't Who know. Who do you think? Who do you think? If, if, I was, if I was making a decision, I would start Robbie Ashford and run just a super run-heavy spread offense, throw it maybe 15 times a game. Uh, I would not... I would not lean on a passing attack, but that's not what Hugh Freeze wants to do long-term. He's trying to get ready for the team that he wants to coach, and right now he just doesn't have the guys for it. I think that he can get the guys in here, uh, but I still have a lot of problems with the game plan that was called anyway, uh, regardless of whether or not you have good athletes. So I I don't know. I would do, differ- I would do differently than what the staff did on Saturday, and I would have done it four weeks ago. Brent, uh, respectfully, I would not do Robbie Asher because all he'll do is run. And offensive line can't continue protecting the run that well. And then they go sack. That's the only thing the, the offensive line can do. That's the only yeah, thing the offensive but, line can do but, is but, run block. They're going to stack the box to eventually they'll get us like, who did that against us? Uh, Sanford, uh, they'll be in the backfield uh, stopping Ashford. Before okay, so say, okay so say you throw a lot and they don't stack the box. All right, can you throw a lot? Can you win doing that? I'll take my chance of holding Gurner. I don't think Holden Gurner's ready, personally. And I don't think the offensive line is ready to pass protect enough. Now, mm. if they want to throw Gurner out there, I think he's worthy of a look. Uh, I, I think that you can absolutely go with Gurner. But I think Robbie Ashford's a proven commodity. And in this year, I think your best bet for seven or eight wins is going with Robbie Ashford. But if you want to throw Gurner out there, I think it's worth a shot. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on real, real, real quickly to the NFL guy. All right. The seventy uh, twenty score. When I saw that at first, I thought, "Okay, I need to refresh my computer. Something's <laughs> wrong." So I refreshed it, and there it stood, seventy twenty. So what the crap happened? And so uh, then I read what Mike McDaniel and the team decided not to make NFL history, guys. So my question is this: They could have gone for a field goal. The game was almost about over, but instead they kneeled it. 
yep. and didn't make record-breaking history. By the way, here's who who did this. Uh, the 72 points were scored in 66 by the now Washington Commanders, then the Redskins, and it was against the New York Giants. The final score, by the way, is the record points ever scored in the NFL season uh, a single game. Uh, it was 113 points. Yep. 72 to 41 was the final. All right, so they've, they've made that historical. So would you have done it? It's your call as a head coach. Would you have gone ahead and made NFL history or done what Mike McDaniel did and do not do it? I'm right. t- taking the points every time. I'm, I am kicking the field goal. It's, See, the, it's, the, it's the NFL, man. Like, yeah. I have a chance to set history, absolutely. There's, a, there's an argument to be made for, like, staying classy and whatever, but it's the NFL. Class doesn't really matter that much. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that as a dig at the NFL. I'm saying it's, it's the ultimate if you don't want me to do it, then stop me from doing it, League. I, see, I'm I'm one of those that's different. I, I'm like, you know, karma will come back to bite you eventually. I'm I'm one of those karma type guys that you're not. You don't need it. It's you know, you're the NFL is not one of those like college where a lot of times you're looking at point differential on things. Uh, you didn't need it. it. It was already there. Yeah, making history would have been kind of cool, but it's like, ah, uh, you know, we we've had our foot on your throat long enough. We'll go ahead and take it off and let you breathe. I would have. You were, you were three points away, Brooks, from making NFL history. I'll tell you what he said, and I'll uh, and please go ahead. I want to hear your comments. Here's his final comments on that by by the coach Mike McDaniel. He said, "Quote: It felt like chasing points. Chasing a record is not what we came here to do. Ten times out of ten, you concede and kneel down. Later, he said, the karma. Uh, we want good karma for the Dolphins. I say, come off it, man." Make history, and no one will ever come close to beating uh, what you did. Yeah, here's the other thing: if you wanna, if you want like good karma, if you want to respect your opponent, whatever, you shouldn't have scored seventy points. Seventy seventy points is already pretty disrespectful, yeah. as far as you know, right. trying in, trying to appeal to good karma goes. People, right? Put it if you didn't want to score many points and shame them, I just. Put in your fourth string people. To, to be fair, they did put in all of their backups about what midway oh, through they? the third third quarter. Yeah, they yeah. they put in. I think it was Blaine Gabbert. I can't remember who their backup quarterback and is. Then they the still kept boy. scoring. Yeah. I, well, I mean, they put in. I think everybody they had on their active roster. They took off everybody that they wanted for wow. their for their playoff team. Like they they put in everybody they could play because you know you can only dress out so many for an NFL game. They everybody on that team played in that game, so they they were wow. not they were not leaving their starters in trying to run up the score. They were playing the the, the lowest of the low that they had. Okay, well, thanks. Well, let me know that then. Well, Brooks, I interrupt you, sir. No, uh, that, that's okay. I would have kicked the field goal and then apologized to the coaches when I shook his hand. <laughs> and then apologize. What are you apologizing for? I, I would I would walk up. I like I would that kick take. I like that, Brooks. I would walk. I would kick the field goal. Then walk over and say, "Hey, sorry, I just wanted the record." Well, I would never apologize. See, apologies are about saying something to someone that you regretted doing, that you made a wrong decision or you did something wrong. There's nothing wrong about it, so I would apologize. I gone ahead, I shook hands and said, we wanted to make history. Sorry you had to be the one. That, and that's ba- that, that's basically what I what I meant to what and maybe not apology wasn't the best term for it but that's that's how I would have said I would have uh, kicked the field goal walked over there and said hey good game sorry we did that <laughs> no to it you. wasn't it sorry, was not a good game sorry we did that to you but we had to make his well, wanted to make history well what what if you just said hey you know it's just business man that 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 would work too. 
Yeah, but I, I, the thing is, though, if you just get, I, I'm just, I'm one of those. I mean, if you go up to him and you're like, "Hey, man, sorry, sorry, we kicked your butt. That's just business." That's where the karma kind of starts, like no, biting in the butt right there. I get it; it's a reality. It's the Steve Spurrier mentality. I understand that. Um, now, if you're like, hey, we were three points for making NFL history. We had to do it. I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, if you're if you're a home run hitter and you're right there, it's not like you're not going to quit trying to hit home runs you're you're going to try to break the records so i kind of get the record breaking thing i wouldn't have just gone hey oh you know sorry you should have stopped it but right. that's just me all right so guys i know my, my time is way way up i got one last time to run by you on this date in 1965 something rather just really really uh astounding uh happened in uh, major league baseball by a person from mobile alabama Oh, 1965. Hank Aaron did something. Or was it Satchel Page? Nope. Very good, bro. Satchel Page, okay. Satchel Page, and this is what he did. He played for the Kansas City A's, and he was 59 years old. Wow. Man. In a game against the Boston Red Sox, he pitched three innings. Three innings at the age of 59. Uh, and that holds, I guess, uh, even now. But uh, what I did know about him is that he did the he was so darn good, guys, uh, at striking people out. It was unbelievable. But it said here that, uh, in fact, he makes it to, to the Hall of Fame. Uh, but it says here that uh, he was the highest-paid pitcher of his time. And he was sometimes, get this, just for fun, it says here, it's from the History Channel, he was sometimes called in his outfield and then strike out the side. <laughs> how about that? Well, that's how confident he was. That don't worry, guys. Just come on in because ain't nobody going to get a hit off of me. Yeah, that, that's pretty confident. But he backed so, it up. Right. He was the oldest pitcher ever to play a game in the major leagues. Um, and he was 59 years, two months, and 18 days. Wow. And during the game, by the way, he was, it says here, he was sitting in the bullpen in a rocking chair while a nurse rubbed liniment oil and just pitching oil for the entire crowd to see. <laughs> now, he did face Mr. Carl Yastrzemski. He was the only one that on on that day they got a hit off of him. And not a matchup right there. And that was it. So anyway, I just saw I feel it because he was from Mobile. Uh, but Satchel Page was a um, he was a heck, heck of a player. And uh, just uh, thought I'd uh, go ahead and throw that in. So guys, you know we got a long we talk about this stuff. You know I, I I'm, I'm I'm over it. I hope to God we're not seeing though. And please tell me you you think. Steve, cut it out, you know. But we're not seeing Gus Malzano 2.0 with Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff. I think there are a lot of similarities between Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze, and I've said that from the beginning. I think once you you give him a year, you get it, you know, you start getting these recruiting classes in here that he's been working on. That we're we're starting, you know, you see the fruits of it a little bit when you see the when you see the rankings continue to climb. I think that he's got a chance to be a better version of what Gus Malzahn could have been. He's a better recruiter for sure. Well, you know, one of the reporters asked him, what are you going to do with the play calling? Who's going to be doing it? He says right now they're having some discussions about it, and that's what I'm concerned about. Either he's going to be it right or Montgomery is right. You can't have constantly fluctuating like Gus Malzahn would do, right? You can have two people being in charge of play calling, but one of them has to be the primary. Look, Hugh Freeze has been calling plays his entire career. It's bizarre to me that he comes to the best job he's ever had by far just now to give up play calling. That was weird to me from the start. I would rather Hugh Freeze 
have an active hand in play calling. Even if Philip Montgomery is the primary guy, let Hugh Freeze be able to step in and say, hey, this is what I want to do here. Let him override a call that Montgomery makes. Let him call at least one play. Just whenever he feels like he needs to, that's up to him. That's a feel thing. But regardless of who it is, both of them need to have a hand in it because it's what Hugh Freeze has done. It is what he made his name doing. It's what made him famous. Do you see any offensive coaches being on the hot seat? Not in week four. No. No, not yet. Maybe not yet. Ask, ask me again at the end of the season. Okay. Hi, right, guys. I'm out of here. Thank you very, very much for giving me the time to ramble and to have some therapy with you guys. So, that's it. Have a safe afternoon. And uh, I'll be in a better, hopefully, uh, more rational mood tomorrow. So, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. That was retired War Dam Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Hard to believe, but we're hitting our first break of the, sh- the uh, second hour right now. When we come back, we head back to the orthopedic phone- clinic phone line. Easy Matt for you from, to say. Matt from, it is easy for me to say. Matt from Tallahassee and James from Montgomery are on the hold. We'll get to y'all right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on a Monday. I'm Brooks Childress. Joined by Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy, also in the studio with me. Filling in for Why Ryan Why are you LaVoy. screaming into the mic right now? Because projecting, Brant. You have a microphone right in front of your face. You can I just do. talk, Brant. You got to project a little bit. You got to get the people you're excited. Not on, you're not on stage. You got to get the people excited. <laughs> it's Monday. Woo! Bro- JJ? Yeah. Brooks? You got to get people excited a little bit. Brooks and I have have talked about this a couple of times you and i like when we talk about sports we usually agree but we will like butt head sometimes where there'll be a little bit of friction but like every other time every other kind of conversation we have it's just so dumb and funny and we just we're just we're just dumb boys hanging out and it's really funny to me (laughs) three three four eight eight seven I feel like it's coming locally. across on the show right now. I'm sorry. Say the number again. 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. That's how you get on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Before we uh, we get any dumber here, let's go <laughs> back to that orthopedic clinic phone line, and we will head to our good friend, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt from Tallahassee for Auburn in Casita. Matt, how are you doing this afternoon? What's up? What's up? What's it's been a while. Up, hey, buddy. What's up? That's the most enthusiastic hey, I think he's ever said Tom. I, I am trying so hard to behave today. Okay, look. I got, like, if we're down Steve and listening, I got a trivia question for him. And I know you guys got the answer, but I uh, want you guys to give the answer away to James or we down Steve. I All want right. them to give the answer tomorrow. Okay. Here's a question for James and we down Steve. When's the last time, the last two years, that Auburn 
beat Georgia. Okay. And Jenny Hare, and who was a coach, and then when's the last time Auburn lost to Georgia in Athens, and who was a coach? All right. So you, who was the last? When was the last time Auburn beat Georgia in Jordan Hare Stadium, and who was the coach? Yes. And then when was the last time Auburn lost to Georgia in Georgia, and who was the coach? Yes. All right. I'll make uh, uh, James and Steve. I hope they are listening. If they don't, if they're not listening right now, they're listening to the podcast, uh, and we'll we'll get the answer tomorrow. Yes, and and, and, like, and, and stuff like and like um, I'm disagreeing with Warden and Steve. Okay. About, uh, Gardner, like, and he's saying that like Asper is not like a very good co- uh, quarterback. I like Asper is a runner. Uh huh. Okay, Dorn is a thrower. Okay, so like not a very Georgia, good one. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia is going to they're going to come after Thorn like Texas A and did. And my question is for all three of you guys: Is <clears throat> you guys remember when we played in the SEC championship game when Cam Newton was? Quarterback in, and we played Cody Burns as a freshman. Uh huh. Okay. So my question is, don't you think three should give Brown a chance at playing quarterback as a freshman, like Cody Burns did in this game against Georgia this week? No, I, I don't. I don't, I don't know don't. if you go I'll go all the way down there. I, I think that you know you make the, the couple of guys on the show made the point of maybe going to Gurner for this game, maybe. But I, I don't know if you go all the way to Brown. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, say Payton doesn't do it too good, and uh-huh. he gets he gets sacked about say four times. Okay. Or and stuff like that, and then you have like Ashford, and then you have Gardner. I'm saying, say like they say that. Like, Panthorn and and uh, Asper get sacked four four times each. Uh huh. Okay. It's eight sacks. So, so then I think you get to have Gardner, but I'm saying probably they like Panthorn and and um Asper get sacked four times, and then you you can probably use Brown as a backup for uh, Asper instead of Gardner. But I can saying, give Brown a chance. He's a freshman. He, I know he is on the, the offense, but I'm saying give him a, a, a chance. Kelly Burns never Kelly Burns never knew the offense when he was a freshman and stuff like that. And like he had to learn from Cam Newman. But I can saying, give Brown a shot. Yeah, well, I... I, I did Cody Burns ever take a snap at quarterback? I think he was a wide receiver for his whole career. I know he was recruited as a quarterback, but he moved to wide receiver pretty early, and I think he stayed there his whole career, buddy. Well, he played. He played wide receiver. He played. Oh, that was Damon Craig. Yeah, yeah. Damian yeah. Craig was a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm just saying, Damon Craig. He kind of learned offense from Cam Newton, but I'm saying, like, uh, like I'm saying, I know Brown. Is a freshman, mm-hmm. a true freshman, but I'm just saying, Gardner's already burned his redshirt freshman. Yeah, but I'm saying yeah, he took like, took that last year. 
I'm just saying, like, just give Brown a chance. If he doesn't do good, then, like, he puts Peyton Thorne and um, Robbie Ashford back in. But I'm saying, give Brown a chance and see how he does. Yeah, you know, I think there's there's a point there, but it, it's – I think that, you know, like you said about the the redshirt freshman kind of deal, I, I don't know if you necessarily want to uh, put Brown out there in the limited time he has against Georgia. Maybe you save him for later in the season. Maybe you bring him out in a in a Vanderbilt or a New Mexico State game, but uh, may, maybe not against Georgia. And, uh, and stuff like, and I'm like, I, I, I know I said this before, uh, Brent, this question is for you. I know I said this before, and I asked you what Auburn will go, and you said – seven and six and stuff like that, but Georgia's been having our number for a long time in Auburn and in Georgia. And I know that we're a 15-point underdog, but I talked to a friend of mine in Georgia that I went to church with in Georgia, and he thinks that we have a, probably a good chance to beat in Georgia. And I think we probably have a good chance, but I'm saying Georgia, their quarterback's good. He's not like, he's not like the quarterback Georgia had that's playing in the NFL now. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking probably we probably gonna beat Georgia if our offensive line can stop, uh, like um, protect Thorn, Ashford, and give yeah if give battle more, give battle more uh, touches on um, the ball and stuff like that. But I think I think we can probably beat Georgia. Matt, it would be the shock of the year if Auburn stayed within a touchdown of Georgia. I, I don't I don't see this game being close. No. And I, I didn't before last week, and after last week I am more pessimistic than I already was. Well hey, this question's for all three of you guys. All right. Did you like did you guys hear about the player that just committed from Georgia? Yeah, they they had a, uh, a decommit. I think it's a linebacker that decommitted from Georgia that's going to be visiting Auburn this weekend. I thought it was a wide receiver, four star wide, wide receiver, receiver. four star wide, wide receiver. Yeah. So do you get, do, like so? Do you think that if Auburn gets him, that that probably would improve and like um, if he decides kind of Auburn, that might do better and stuff that might help Auburn and stuff like that. Well, you'd like any player you bring in to help your team, so I, I, I guess the answer would be yes. Okay, and then another question is, I was looking at uh, predictions on bowl games, and they said Auburn would play in the uh, retentment but next play is against um, Tulane. Uh-huh. So you think that if Auburn plays Tulane, that we could probably beat Tulane? Tulane's a good program. Uh, you, you saw them push Ole Miss a couple weeks ago, and and that was a home game for Tulane. And so it, it'd be a it'd be a fun matchup to see uh to see Auburn versus Tulane. And do you guys probably like I've heard like I've heard this, and you guys can answer this. Um, and stuff. So I've heard that the next coach probably be Lane Kiffin in Alabama, or I don't think Bama fans want Lane Kiffin, but I also hear about maybe Dion. We'll go to Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't know who the next – nobody knows who the next head coach at Alabama is going to be. I think Lane Kiffin was a good choice. Um, he will remain a good choice if he continues to win at a better clip than he has. Um, I, I think Lane Kiffin's a really good coach. I think he's a good choice. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, actually, uh, around the office. Um, Alabama's going to have their pick of whoever they want. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin is up there. I think um, Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning is another good one. I think Deion Sanders could take that job, uh, especially if 
he continues to make Colorado better. Uh, I, I would think it would be an interesting culture clash to see Deion Sanders in Alabama, but yeah. uh, I could I could see that happening as well. All right, Matt, we we got a couple minutes okay, left here. So, so let's, we, let's question and now I will do I'll probably do the chair. All right. And for uh, James might have a question or a quote about this. I was looking at a name for a Michigan State uh, job, and uh-huh. I heard Dan Mullen's name come up. Yeah. You got you think Dan Mullen would be a good coach at Miss at Michigan State? I think he could do some good things there. Um, it, it would just be getting past what he did at Florida. And, you know, you saw him at Mississippi State. He took a, a program that was Mississippi State um, to heights that they had never been before. But uh, And so I, I think that it could it, it possibly could work, but it it would be a little bit of a different style of, of offense than you're used to seeing in the Big Ten. But hey, I, hey I, I've been telling Alabama fans, we'll get Bama at Harson. They can have Harson. Yeah, they can. I would be ecstatic if Alabama hired Brian Harson. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen. Um, like, uh, I know my time's up and stuff is up, but like, uh, if Wardown Steve and James are listening, like I said, I will listen to them tomorrow. All right. And I want them not to give the answer out right now, but I just want to know. I want the score and what and like when's the last time Auburn beat. Georgia in Auburn. Who was the coach? And what was the score? All right. When who was coaching? And when Auburn lost to Georgia, and what was the score? And that and what year was that? All right. Well, we'll make sure we ask them. And hey, hey, James, have any more questions for Special Olympics and stuff? That he's a free. He's free to email me, or he he can ask you guys questions, and I can get I can tell an answer. A lot more questions about swimming and stuff like that because in 2026, I'm probably gonna am gonna retire and be a volunteer swim coach. If I don't, I'll talk to my swim coach and see what he says and stuff like. James can ask questions. I'll, I don't mind asking questions or something like that. All right. And uh, uh, stuff so. But like, uh, hey, Tom. Yes, sir. Did you ever ask your girlfriend to come on the show anymore? I, I still talk to her about it. She she's just a busy lady at work. She owes us three hundred and fifteen dollars now. Uh-oh. All right. Are you hey, ready to do the cheer? Hey, bro, bro, if you see JJ, tell him I said what's up and get him on the show again. All right, we sure will. Okay, you guys ready? Yep. Five, Five four, four, three, two, two one. War Eagle. Hey. hey. Booyah! Booyah! Beat Bama 313-2. One. And Bama, we're going to give you three seconds to hear and not a second. Ha-ha. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, Tom, behave. Hey, Brent, what make up? sure you and Brooke uh, keep Tom straight. We always do, buddy. Thanks for the call. And tell your girlfriend, and Brent, tell your girlfriend, and tell your, uh, tell your wife I said, hey, okay? You sure will. Yeah, I said War Eagle. Absolutely. Right. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. That was Matt from Tallahassee for Auburn from uh, in Casita calling on the orthopedic clinic phone line. And that, my friends, is going to wrap up our number two of Sports Call on a Monday. We thank you, everybody, for calling in, tuning in for the first two hours. We will do one more coming up right after this. I'm Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughter here on a Monday. When we come back, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at the top of the hour. James Montgomery has been waiting patiently. We'll get to you right after this. You're listening to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9.
Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of sports call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call on a Monday starts right now. I am Brooks Childress, joined by Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy. It's a great Monday. We'll be talking football. It's always a great Monday. No matter what your team does over the weekend, whether win or lose, it's a good day to talk football. It's always great to be talking football. And we're doing, we've are doing we been doing that all day, mostly Auburn football. Auburn lost Texas A&M this weekend 27-10. to 10. And uh, we, we've been talking about it a lot. Thanks so much for all of our callers so far today. We'll get back to that orthopedic foot clinic phone line in just a moment. Uh, if you want to get on the phone line, 334-887-341 locally, toll free, one 9 tiger 9 But right now, it's time for our 5 at 5, the sports call 5 at 5, which is brought to you by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors for Southeastern Land Group. Uh, make a sound financial decision with land. Visit Brian and John. Call John at 334-524-2756 or Brian at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. You're 5 at 5 today. We're going to go over five things that happened in the Auburn athletics world this weekend besides football. Uh, some good action going on this week. And we'll start off women's tennis, number one. Uh, I, I guess that I should uh, should do the, this. So Number one. There we go. Number one. Number uh, one. Women's tennis was up in Cary, North Carolina for the fall-ranked spotlight. A couple singles wins, a couple doubles wins up there for the ladies uh, getting things off. I think this is their second or third weekend uh, play going on for women's tennis. So uh, do, a, do, you have individual, do you have individual matches in there? Yeah. I have two classmates who are tennis players, and I have not at all looked at what they did over the weekend. Um, and do you know their names? Uh, Selena Vunk. Uh, she, she was up there this weekend. She got, a, she got a couple singles wins on Friday, I believe. Okay. Thursday. Thursday or Celine. Friday when they start. Good for Celine. Uh, Caroline um, oh, uh, and Sorry got a few wins this weekend. DJ Bennett also got some wins this weekend up there for the women's tennis team. So uh, a good weekend there for a women's tennis. Number two. Number two. The Auburn women's golf got things started. This, or Yeah, got things started this weekend with the Mason Randolph Championship up in Franklin, Tennessee. Ended up finishing in second place behind Vanderbilt, but was leading uh, the, on the end of Friday and the end of Saturday, and uh, and dropped a few shots on Sunday, but finished ended up finishing second. So good job by the Auburn women's golf team getting things started this weekend for uh, their season. Number three. Number three. Uh, Auburn volleyball had a pretty successful weekend. Uh, took on number three Florida on Friday, the first ranked matchup in Neville Arena history when it comes to volleyball. Lost three sets to two. We were talking about it during the middle of the break or during the break uh probably could have had a good chance to uh to beat florida in that match uh but ended up losing that three to two and then yesterday came back with the match against Ole miss won that one three to one dropped the first set to Ole miss and then came back rallied won the next three uh and got a big some big wins for the, the volleyball team this weekend so that sounds like the uh the officiating maybe 
sided with Florida a little bit in that one. Yeah, definitely. That was uh, definitely that's so. the report that we were we were getting from Mr. Daughtry. Yeah, and I I will uh, I'll talk about more about this during best and worst of the weekend. Uh, but I was in the arena on Sunday and got to speak to head coach Brent Crouch a little bit, and he very much was like. Yeah, I, I you know I talked to an officiating uh, group that we work with, and it turns out they did make the wrong calls, and that's mm. why we lost. So he's still upset about it, and understandably, understandably. Moving on in the sports call five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number four, number four, the Auburn Equestrian team got their season started this weekend against a ranked UC Davis squad, and they uh, they blew them out fourteen to four on Saturday afternoon at the Auburn Equestrian Center. Good showing by the ladies out there uh like it's 14 to 4 big big win to start the year for auburn equestrian and number five number five auburn soccer traveled to ole miss yesterday the ole miss's volleyball team came here auburn soccer traveled to play ole miss came out of it with a nil nil draw do you uh, think they passed each other on the highway maybe they waved they maybe they waved to each <laughs> other um but it was uh it was like i said nil nil draw but a good defensive showing by the auburn women's soccer team uh, over the weekend on Saturday after coming off a win on Thursday night, 3-2 to two over Missouri to open the home slate of conference play. And you know what? I'll give you a bonus one. That's the 5-at-5, five five, but we'll give you... Number 6. Uh, a bonus. I didn't, know that, I didn't know that hockey existed. Yeah. That uh, scared me. Auburn Swimming and Diving got their st- uh, their season started on Friday with the orange and blue meet. Uh, it's just inter-squad meet, but Swimming and Diving is back of a historic program at Auburn. Got their uh, season started. I have a classmate with. Friday. I have a class with swimmers too. Well, aren't or you, a swimmer. You're just out here having class with all the grads, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, man. Uh, Abby Gibbons. Hey, look at that. Uh, I, I don't have those, her stats in front of me of, of what she yeah, did. Yeah, Allie Despain is the other tennis player that I have a. Okay, a class I, I did with. not see her I, name. I neglected, on the list. neglected to mention her name, but I, I did not see her name on the list for uh, for games this weekend. Uh, 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine is how you get it on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Let's get ready and go back. We'll take a trip to our state's capital, and it is James from Montgomery. James has been waiting patiently. James, how are you doing on this fine Monday afternoon? I am good at War Eagle, guys. War, War Eagle. Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I just came in from my long trip in Panama City Beach, Florida, and it was amazing as well. A short trip this week. All right. Just a weekend trip? Yes, it was. It was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so it was an amazing, an amazing trip to be out with my family as well, and I had some great time uh, spending a little bit of time with my nephew and, um, you know, connecting uh you know, a bond with him that's going to stay with him for the rest of his young life as well. Did you get some good time on the beach this weekend? I actually did. I actually did uh, go on the beach, and I actually, I was actually in the jacuzzi uh, just before I got to swim in the pool, and um, that was on Friday. Then Saturday, I did a little bit of, uh, you know, meditation, and um, that. That same week on that Saturday, I actually went out and I uh, did a little bit of go-kart racing as well. Oh, look at that. Yeah, so it was just me and my nephew, and uh, we did a little uh, NASCAR go-kart racing as well, and he beat me, so I came in Uh-oh. second as well. Uh, I started out from the back of the pack and went from the back all the way up to the front, just like my favorite race car driver, Bubba Wallace, as well. I was so close. So close, but I could not do it. I just could not do it to him as well. Well, you have to get revenge next time then, I guess. Yes, as well. So it was something as well. And over the weekend, I was watching a lot of college football games, and 
I saw a little bit of uh, Auburn and Texas A&M, and I'm not very happy of what Auburn has uh, shown me when we played against Texas A&M, and I'm just very upset with this team as well. I mean, with us as well, but, you know, things have to bounce back. So I think when we play against Georgia, um, this is going to be a tough test for Peyton Thornton. So he hasn't seen the Auburn-Georgia rivalry. So this will be his first time ever playing in a in a big matchup rivalry like Auburn and Georgia as well. So this will be his first time ever uh, in, in a in a classic rivalry as well. Yeah, they've got some big rivalries up there at Michigan State, but yeah, his first time, and it's going to be Hugh Freeze's first time in the Auburn-Georgia rivalry too, so uh, it, it should be a good environment in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Yes, as well, because with uh, Hugh Freeze and Peyton Thornton, I know they're new to, to the Auburn uh, teams as well, and for Peyton Thornton, uh, he needs to probably look at some highlight films from uh, years past between these two great teams. Uh, Auburn has really great uh, history with this rivalry, and this is one of the biggest rivalries ever in Auburn history. And this one has many different uh, many different outcomes of it. You can say this is like the um, you know it's many different names that I'm going to actually talk about on tomorrow's show. Um, one of them is the kick six. You know, with Chris Davis actually, you know, making the the uh, circus catch and and winning the game as well, and uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's a really good. Uh, well, this is not a really good rivalry because it's between Auburn and Georgia, so this is one of these uh, rivalries that is like you know the backyard. We actually call this one the backyard brawl for a reason because. Uh, this game is, is very, you know, bloody knuckles type, you know, football as well. Well, I, I think the backyard brawl is actually West Virginia and Pittsburgh. I think what you're thinking about is, is that game. Auburn and Georgia is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Yes, but I was just, you know, because the, these two schools, they don't like each other. The yeah. fan bases don't like each other. And this game is very... It's like a very impact Hollywood movie as well. Because once you're in Jordan Air Stadium, no matter if it's playing, no matter if we're playing Georgia in the daytime, no matter if we're playing them at night, if we're playing them at night, this is going to be, um, you know, this is going to be the, 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 the musty moment for, for a lot of Auburn fans to actually get their popcorns ready and, and look at this game and actually see this game with a lot of, you know, a lot of blood shed and tears on, on the field after this game is over. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, sometimes it does feel like a Hollywood script when these two teams get together. It's, it's always a fun rivalry game, always a game that everybody circles on the calendar when the schedules come out uh, ahead of the new season. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at, our good friend, um, who's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, I know he's in Tampa, and I'm going to be rooting for his Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. And uh, seeing that Tampa is actually going to win, so I'm hoping that uh, uh, I think it's uh, um, I forgot who's a Tampa Bay uh, fan. It's Ryan. Okay, so I'm gonna actually uh, text him. I'm gonna send him some messages on the score on on Twitter and um, you know seeing uh you know how things are going to go and I think that 
uh, you know, Ryan LaVoy, I know he's he's been with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a long time, so I'm hoping that we're that we're going to win this one as well. Yeah, it's a big game tonight. Got the Philadelphia Eagles in town. I, you know, you, you said you were rooting for Tampa Bay. You're a Cowboys fan, so you don't like the Eagles. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think he'd appreciate that if you reached out to him. Yes, I did. I am going to do that as well because I know he's, uh, you know, he, he's going to, He's going to really like it as well, but um, I'm very upset about my Cowboys. We didn't win in Arizona, so it was just not our time to win. So I'm going to actually uh, send a, a message to Dak Prescott and actually tell him, you know, just, you know, work on on actually, you know, work on how you're supposed to be as a quarterback for, for Dallas as well and maybe – will bounce back next, uh, this coming up Sunday as well. Yeah, a tough loss for your Cowboys yesterday, losing the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and, you know, you got to bounce back this week. But I'll tell you what, James, this this week, uh, it's the Dallas Cowboys are playing my New England Patriots. So it's, it's kind of a Brooks-James uh, sports call rivalry here. Oh, yes, it is. It's actually coming uh, this Sunday as well. So I know we've been we, – we're, we're good, close friends as well, but – um, if I don't know if I could make any suggestions on this game, but um, I'm gonna make a friendly wager. If if your New England Patriots beat me, uh, if they if your New England Patriots beat my Dallas Cowboys, I'll probably uh, be on the show as well. Oh, that sounds like a good. And, and if my New England Patriots, uh, or if your Dallas Cowboys beat my New England Patriots, I'll be on the show as well. How about that? Well. I mean, you're already that's, on the show. As I am. Well. That's true. Yeah. So I mean, um, if if your New England Patriots, well, if my Dallas Cowboys come back, uh-huh. um, I will actually have to say that I would like to say to actually talk to one of the new Auburn women's basketball players and bring them on the show, and I can actually. Um, you know, get to know more about one of the new basketball players for Auburn this year. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen. Well, I, I, they've got a busy schedule. They start practice today, uh, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. All right, indeed. And I am actually going to be looking at this coming up week um, on October 1st. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a great, great um, race in Talladega. I, I know this is what um, Bubba Wallace is actually going to mark on his calendar, so am I. So this one is going to really be a really good um, race for him as well. So I know yesterday he didn't win, but he was in the polls in, in you know at the top of the list, but he didn't he didn't win the race uh, last well yesterday in uh, Texas as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, he he had a good showing in qualifying and was had a pretty good run, but could not close the deal yesterday. And um, yeah, a big big race weekend here in the state of Alabama as they come back to uh, Talladega for the second time this year. This time, part of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. So we'll see how how Bubba Wallace is able to do this weekend, and uh, we'll we'll see what what else happens in that big race on Sunday. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I actually got something that's very interesting to me. I just found this out on my Twitter. All right. Today is our former Auburn head coach, uh, Ralph Shook Jordan's birthday is today as well. So I want to wish him a happy birthday and a big war eagle from a great uh, Auburn fan like myself and many other Auburn fans that have known him for so many, many years and done so many great things for a lot of 
uh, great Auburn players in the past as well. How about that? What else you got for us? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at the WNBA and uh, seeing uh, how uh, Dewana Bonner is actually going to be doing as well tonight. They actually play uh, Sabrina UNESCO's uh, Liber- uh, New York Liberty tonight, so I'm going to be watching that one as well. And then um, I'm going to be looking at uh, the Las Vegas Aces and seeing if they're going to uh, take a huge loss against my Dallas Wings. So I'm hoping that will be uh, pretty interesting as well to see um, what, uh, you know, how my Wings would actually look in uh, round two of this WNBA finals as well. Yeah, semifinals going on right now in the WNBA playoffs. The Connecticut Sun got a big 78-63 win yesterday over the New York Liberty, and then uh, your Ve- the, the Las Vegas Aces beat your Dallas Wings yesterday, 97-83, game twos of those series uh, tomorrow night. And so we'll see if your Wings can bounce back and, uh, and tie those series up at one apiece. What else you got for yes, us? Uh, well, I'm actually going to be uh, covering some hockey because I know hockey just started – uh, last couple of weeks, and I'm, uh, I know it's the preseason for hockey, but it won't start until October. So I'm looking at, uh, what the Dallas, uh, stars are actually going to be looking at, uh, how they're going to be looking this, this time around this year. And I'm hoping that they will make it, uh, back to the, uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. So that will be a really good thing as well. So we might have, uh, some new guys that are going to be coming in, um, uh, for this year as well and uh, seeing what's going to happen as well. Yeah, hockey preseason getting back underway. Your Stars, a 7-0 win over the Coyotes yesterday in preseason action. They'll play the Minnesota Wild tomorrow in some more preseason hockey action. So some fun times in the hockey world. Anything else you got for us today, James? Well, I'm actually – I have one uh, Major League Baseball game that I'm going to be watching tonight. Okay. And I'm actually going to be watching my Texas Rangers and uh, seeing how we're going to do. This is our – this is the only game that we're going to play tonight before next couple of weeks in our schedule as well. So this is only one game that we play for tonight and tonight only as well. Well, uh, you, you got three games against the Angels, so you play the Angels tonight and then two more, and then you got the Mariners this weekend for four games. But, yeah, y'all are getting set for uh, potentially winning that division, and so it, it's a really good time for your Texas Rangers right now as they get set for the playoffs here starting uh, very, very soon. Well, James, you got any final thoughts for us before we have to let you go? Um, the only final thought that I actually have to say is I would love to see Auburn uh, beat Georgia, and I do have the final score for that one. All right. I'll have – Auburn at 45 to Georgia 20. All right, 45 to 20. You think Auburn beats Georgia this weekend. That's a big score. We'll hope uh, hope Auburn can do that. All right, sounds good. And I'll take uh, that trivia that my best friend, uh, Matt from Tallahassee, actually uh, tried to let me answer as well. And I might have some trivia. Uh, more after that one as well. Yeah, he said uh, to ask it tomorrow. So we'll ask you the, the trivia tomorrow when, I ask, when we ask Wardy and Steve the trivia question tomorrow, too. How does that sound? Uh, that sounds good. All right, guys, and I'll dig in my uh, trivia treasure chest and I'll pull something out. All right, that sounds good. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That was James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We head now to our first break of hour number three. When we come back, more sports call right after this.
We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call, Monday edition, back on your airwaves. I'm Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry joining yeah. you. We were talking Yeehaw. in the break, a lot of good high school football action this past week. A lot of blowouts, some unexpected blowouts. Um, you can catch Smith Station every single week. Brant Daughtry does a great job calling the games. Over That's on kind. Our, over on our sister station, FM Thank Talk 93.9. Uh, Beauregard off this week, but you can hear them right here every single Friday night. I'm a lot more professional on that broadcast than I am on this one. Uh, the one fair. thing I, I miss, uh, you know, not having my Fridays free to do sports since I'm I have to work every yeah. Friday night, and uh, that's one thing I miss. Is that my days working at the OA News or even uh, when I was briefly at Auburn Undercover, but going to high school games and it's so fun. It really is. There's, there's, there's something unique about high school football. There's and it's, it's just it's just different. It's I've I've always said this that I I enjoy it. I think it's probably one of the footballs that I enjoy the the most because it's the last football that it is truly anybody can go out and play it. Yeah. College. Yeah. You, you just can, have to want to. College, you can get walk-ons, yeah, but that doesn't mean they're going to make the team. Like, high school football, if you go out to the team, you're going to be on it in some form or fashion. Right. NFL, it gets, you know, it even gets cut down more than that, but it's just it. high school is the last true level that anybody can go out there and be a part of that team and be a part of that uh, that uh that camaraderie out there yeah. and there's there you, you know you guys were talking about the such a unique uh atm- there's unique atmospheres at different high schools just around the area i was talking yeah. you know uh in the break and i said it on friday i went to the battle of highway 14 first time i've been to that game uh ever and it went out at Notasolga last week. Great environment. That's two, it. Two the Battle A's. of Highway 14 is Lochapoca and Notasolga. Yep. For those who don't know, two one A schools. Lochapoca was number six in the state coming into this week. Probably move up again in the polls after this past week's game. But it's just it's such a fun environment out there. Yeah. I, so the thing I, I miss it's different, I guess, for y'all uh, doing radio because you're up in the booth, and I'm assuming you're up in the stands. On Friday night, yeah. Oh no! The, on Thursday night, when I went to that uh, that Notice Olga game, I was on. I stood on the sideline. Oh, you stood on the yeah, sideline. I was okay. on the sideline. All right. Well, see, so that that's what I was going to say. All the times, nine times out of ten, uh, whenever I was covering a game, I was on the sidelines because you have to keep. I have kept my own stats. Yeah. And I had my own stat page, and I always found it was better, and I could see it better down on the sideline, mm-hmm. and that was just fun being there, and you can hear all the interactions on with the coaches and yeah. the players. The players and the coaches interact with you sometimes, sometimes not good uh, if you're on the <laughs> side. Well, I mean, if you're on the sideline, like with with me, I had to run into a bunch of situations where, you know, we would do our Opelika Auburn News picks yeah. of, of the week. And if I picked against a team, I happened to be on their sideline, I would definitely hear hear it. And, you know, it's like, well, they, these these kids are actually reading these, reading the newspaper and reading these picks. And yeah. like, yeah, and like, oh, yeah, you're over here on our sideline. Don't think we can win. So you picked against us. I'm like, well, like you're playing the newspaper. It's man. Like you're playing the number one team in the state, and you've won two games in three years. I mean, of course, I'm not going to pick you to win. <laughs> well, but it was fun. Um, I only ever got knocked down once. 
Well, good. <laughs> I was on my toes Thursday night. I only stayed for a half, yep. but I was on my toes watching, making sure. And then some of the fans talk to you too. Like some of the fans, like will, will yell, you know, say something to you, and yeah. you can go back and talk them to the fence. Yep. I, had a, I had a couple fans at the Notice Oil game uh, and said, "You know that the ref made the bad call," and I was like, "Well, yeah." Yeah. Do they know who you were with or what you were doing? Uh, they, I, I mean, I had a badge on, but they, I don't know if they knew who, you know, right. necessarily who I was. I like to think they did. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think I've got that level well, of see, but I, I like the anonymity of being like a sports media person where you can just go in and do all the cool stuff, but no one really knows who you are. They just, they know you're somebody, but they don't know exactly who. Well, see, and that was the thing is I because I was the prep beat writer for yeah, the OA News for so many years, were. like everybody knew who I was. Yeah. And everybody still knows who you are. It's kind of neat. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Nah. Everybody knows who Tom PV is. Nah. Yeah. I've had people come up and they're like, I, so the thing is now, I have people that are in their 30s now, at least late 20s or into their 30s, and they're like, you used to cover me in high school, didn't you? I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> we have gotten to that level. <laughs> it's like, yes, I did. <laughs> At least you haven't gotten to the point where at least, at least you you didn't go far enough where you, you said, "Hey, you covered my dad in high school." I have or not my have, mom in high school. Have I don't think I have. I definitely don't think I have run into that. But uh, definitely people that are on up there like late twenties, and I think some even in their thirties now. That uh, well, I know it definitely is people that are into their thirties now because I mean, I covered some folks that have now retired from the NFL. Wow. So. Yeah, but I, I'll see them out and about, and they're like, I, I recognize you. Didn't you used to work for the OA News? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> way back when. And you're starting to go out a little bit more with our high school stuff, especially in the spring with us. Oh, yeah, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm wanting to do a lot more of that uh, once we get to spring. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I'd love to cover more baseball, softball. Get out there and get back into it yeah. a little bit. It's not. It, it's again. It's high school sports it's is the last. Is it's the last where anybody can be out there playing. You can have a kid that's. You can have a kid that goes out and throws a no hitter and he doesn't have a college scholarship on it. Sure. And it's just it's it's a fun. It's a fun environment. Well, I can also I can walk up to the coach like I did uh, out at Beauregard when yeah. I was getting ready to. I was I was prepping. I was doing my game prep to to do uh, color commentary for a baseball game. I can just I just walk out on the field and talk to the coach and get all the information I need. I don't have to go through an SID. I don't no. have to jump through hoops and all this stuff, and I don't have to jump through the hoops like a whole week in advance before the game. It's like you walk out there and talk to him on the, at the dugout and get the information I need. Oh, yeah. You know, and they're going to give you the information, you know, because they they want you to they want you to talk up their their kids. So yeah, it's fun and uh, high yeah high doing stuff covering high school ball has always been. A thrill back when I did it in the OA News, and yeah, trying to get back into it some more doing the radio side. What I'm, what I think we're trying to say is, if you get free time, go to a high school game. Absolutely, it's, it's so fun. Go, out. I know, you know, we we talk about our coverage. Like I said, Smith Station Friday night. They're at home against Ben Russell this week. Uh, Six thirty airtime over on our sister station FM Talk ninety three point nine. Brant's going to be there. Beauregard is off this week. Uh, you can still listen to the AHSAA Radio Network scoreboard show after the game on Friday night, 10 to midnight. And then I will be out at the End Zone Bar and Grill on Wednesday evening uh, for the high school coaches show. Uh, and we got a couple teams on bye week, so they're, they right. may be a little lighter this have, week. But it, it hopefully you still get those coaches come out. Have, have Auburn and Opelika played each other yet? They have not. 
Okay. They've, they've moved because they're in the same uh, area now. Since Opelika moved up to seven A, they've right. moved that game back a little bit rather than it's oh. up in the beginning of the season when they were six and seven A. See, when I was covering them, it was always the last game of the regular season. Oh. I mean, it was the big rivalry game, last game of the year. But then, yeah, once uh, Auburn went to seven and Opelika stayed at six, I know they moved it to like the third or fourth week, which was weird. But uh, I, I'm telling you, anybody that's out there listening, I mean, if you there are some great rivalries that that Highway 14 rivalry between Lochpoke and Notasolga, yes, but I it's hard to it's hard to beat in this area the Auburn Opelika game. That, uh, that's the gold I, standard. For I, sure. I mean that the atmospheres that I experienced there were unlike anything that I could possibly even describe. Not, I, it's it's like a small college atmosphere. Not growing up in the area, um, I have since moving up here uh, for college in 2016. I've had the privilege of going to two Auburn Opelika games, one at each stadium, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's like you said, it's it's a phenomenal rivalry. Yeah. Fans get into it. They don't like. I know a lot of stadiums are like this, but they don't let the fans go in the same entrance as the the other teams. Right. Uh, I was at the uh, one. I don't remember what year it was. It was not too long ago, but. Uh, Auburn Opelika at Opelika, Callie Chiswick, uh, yeah. Coach Chiswick's son, um, would, had a phenomenal game and uh, for them. I, th- I think he, he either returned a kick or re- uh, recovered a fumble or an interception, something to kind of to help Auburn win that game. Uh, but it was it was such a fun game. And they play uh, next Friday, October 6th, at Opelika, Auburn at Opelika next Friday yeah. night. I, I don't know if uh, it's been now so long since I've been with the Opelika-Auburn News, but I know when I was there – there was a trophy that we would present to the winner of that game as, as like their rivalry trophy and mm-hmm. I mean it was just a it was a you know a bronzed football with a trophy stand wasn't like this elaborate trophy but it was still the trophy and uh, and it had the the winners of the years etched in and the school gets to keep the trophy each year one of those types of deals yeah. and so you know I would always run out there at the end of the game I'd go out there onto the field with the trophy and all the players would like come and take it from me and like you know, it yeah. was a pride to have that trophy. I don't know if they still do that. I, I hope they. I hope they do. But I know we used into. to do that. That'd be something to look into. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four. I'm a locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Is how you get on the orthopedic clinic phone line. As we talk, you know, we talked high school football here. Um, we move on with the show now. Uh, again, if, if you get a chance, go go to some of the high school games this week or, or throughout the football season. Always so fun. Um, like. Brant, your your Smith Station at home this week. I, I think I already said that Benjamin Russell uh, yep. coming to town. So yeah, they, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, we are four games into the season, and there's one away game left, and it's in Montgomery. Yeah. I've got all the traveling uh, out of the way for Smith Station. I had to go down to Dothan Friday, um, and that's by far the longest drive that I had this year. Um, I had to go to Phoenix City for one. I don't think I've had to travel more than an hour outside of that Dothan trip. Yeah. So uh, just to it, I mean, we're kind of cruising the rest of the season as far as travel goes. But a lot of great high school action around the area uh, this week and e- every week. So make sure you get out and, uh, and see a game if you can this football season. All right. As we move on with the show, before we uh, run out of time, before we hit our last break of the show, it's time for the best and worst of the weekend as we do every single Monday. Now time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. I want Tom to start, and you can start wherever you want, best or worst. Uh, well, you can do both right now. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start. I'll start off with uh, with best, and uh, I, I alluded to it earlier in the show with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So the Montgomery Biscuits are the Double A affiliate, and 
Uh, Michelle and myself love to go watch biscuits games. We're not season tickets holder. T- bleh, we're not season ticket holders, uh-huh. but we go to a lot of games uh, and have become very familiar with some of the players. But uh, after the uh, after their season wrapped up, they they got knocked out of the playoffs. But one of their superstars, uh, Junior Caminera. He he started he he when he joined the uh, the biscuits he was 19 years old he turned 20 but he's one of the top prospects uh, in really all of Major League Baseball and I mean the kid's a, a budding superstar uh, in baseball and especially with that organization but shortly after the Rays season got ended uh, he got called up directly from the biscuits to the show and so over the weekend he was actually playing with the Rays collected a hit collected an RBI. Uh, they were showing his family cheering for him in the stands. And it was just so cool because we literally watched him and talked to him uh, their last game uh-huh. uh, at Riverwalk Stadium. Just last week. Just last week. And now here he is playing for the pros uh, with the Rays and showing his family cheering. And like I said, he picked up his first major league hit, picked up his first major league RBI. That's the cool thing. You talked about all the cool stuff with high school football because, yeah. I mean, you see these future stars. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you catch these guys in, my, in minor league baseball, and you literally might be watching the next big thing oh, yeah. literally within days of each other. Oh, yeah. So uh, that was just cool. It was, it was cool seeing Junior get his shot in, in the big leagues and to come out and start getting some hits immediately for him. He's got a bat. Dude was hitting – he he's hitting balls with like a hundred velocity off the bat. I know there's one game he hit one. If anybody's ever been to Riverwalk Stadium, he hit a home run over the scoreboard at Riverwalk, which is just a mammoth shot. So, I he's a, he's a future star and he's getting a shot. So that was cool to see. That was your best of the weekend, Brant. Best. My best of the weekend. Um, I've talked about it before. I have uh, become a student at Auburn University, going for my master's degree. One of the things you can do, as much as we don't love to cross-promote radio stations here, um, I, you can start working with uh, Weagle with WEGL 91.1 FM, which is the student-owned and operated uh, radio station at Auburn University. They uh, have contracts with Auburn with the Auburn Sports Network to do volleyball, softball, and soccer. And on Sunday, I went into Neville Arena, and I did play-by-play for Auburn Volleyball. It's my first uh, first assignment with Weagle and uh, I got I got a chance to sit courtside and call that and, and you know calling sporting events for Auburn University is something that I've been wanting to do since I was like 16 uh, 17 something like that probably uh, probably before that like my sophomore year in high school I think I was 15 at the time um, so yeah it just uh, uh, the culmination of a lot of hard work happened on Sunday and that was just a really cool feeling and uh, it still hasn't totally hit me uh, how cool it really is, but uh, it's it's slowly uh, creeping up on me that I've done something that I've been working for for a really long time, and I was pretty happy to do that. Listen, uh, we we love to support uh, Weagle W E G L the campus radio station. Um, they're not competitors. They're, they're not. They're non commercial. They're not competitors. Um, and we we get a lot of people from uh, W E G L. I, I can J J was a Weagle product. Ryan's a Weagle product. I am a Weagle product. Former co-host and member of the show, Javon Cutler, was a Weagle product. Uh, we've had interns here that were Weagle products. Um, and so you've got a lot. Did you list JJ on that? I did. He was okay. the first one that I did. Oh, okay. That's my um, so we, we've got a lot of crossover with Weagle. A lot of kids uh, come up from Weagle and have, have been part of the Sports Call family and the Communications family. 
Um, and so we, we, you know, one, I know from, from past experience how valuable that is, that, that, uh, that is. Um, and that's a great opportunity that you've gotten there, Brent. And, uh, we're very proud of you. Yeah. Grateful for the opportunity. I want to thank friend of the program, Britt Bowen, by the way, for, uh, introducing me into that he helps out with weagle a lot and uh when i told him i was going to be a student he said hey man come work with us and yeah we'll, do, of, we'll see what we can do friend of the program brett bowen mm-hmm. uh is uh is uh, the the advisor for weagle yes he is um and so yeah it's a big uh big weagle family here uh with tiger communications and now you're part of it you're part of your i'm you're, part of it i'm, part do- of the I'm doing both at the same time all right let's calm down. what's the what's the it's the kevin harlan call where he goes i'm calling both games <laughs> that's true all right uh, my best of the weekend. I've got two. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I've got I've got two best of the weekend. Both include debuts. Um, on Saturday, you had Haley Van Voorhees, a safety for Division Three Shenandoah University. I saw this. This is so cool. Became the first female college football player, not a kicker, to register playing time in a football game. They were already up twenty six to no- or twenty six points in the first quarter. It was twenty six to nothing. Uh, and she got a quarterback hurry. On the third down play, that she, she stuck in. the guy too. Yeah. Like she, she, he got rid of the ball, but like helmet in the chest and drove him backwards. Like that was a, it was a good hit. It was. Have it you was, seen her? She's uh, built like a brick house. She could be, as you were mentioning earlier, she could be the next uh, Bill Belichick. <laughs> she that, she uh, might be. That may, may. I think she's been a football fan for longer than just now. But yeah, she's well, she's a uh, obviously really cool. But yeah, so that that was really cool. And my other best of the weekend, uh, and, it, and it's just listen. We're Braves fans here, but this is gonna, I'm going to go to the Phillies. Uh, Orion Kirkering got his debut with the Phillies this past weekend. It's not about his debut. He did fine. He did well. But it was the his dad in the stands. I don't know if y'all have seen the video. His dad is in the stands watching his son pitch, and he is absolutely bawling. <laughs> and it is, it is one of the sweetest uh, images that I, I think I've seen in a long time come from sport because his dad is sitting up there in the stands watching his son pitch, his dream in Major League Baseball, and he is just absolutely crying his eyes out. And it is so sweet and so sincere that this that dad is watching his son fulfill a dream. And it was just, it was awesome. It was an awesome, awesome moment. Uh, hate to hate to turn turn down the the mood now, but worst of the weekend. Why we start with worst? Um, I've gave Tom choice. So, oh well. So I could go Auburn football, but that's really low hanging fruit. Um, I worst of the weekend is kind of worst of what's been a long stream, but the Chicago Bears are terrible. Yes, God, and and they it's are not bad. It's not all on field stuff either. They yeah, well, they have a lot going on they, in that organization right they, now. They, exactly, they've just had the the FBI raided the defensive coordinator. They had to get rid of their defensive coordinator over some stuff that was going on. They're just terrible at football. Here's how bad they are. They are. What did I say? Three and a half point underdogs? Yeah. Next week, they are three. This is how bad the Chicago Bears are. They are three and a half point home underdogs to the Denver Broncos, who just gave up 70 points. Brutal. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And the, Bear, the Bears just get absolutely stomped by the Chiefs. And, and Taylor, Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift it. cheering for uh, – <laughs> And cheering in the uh, box, the Chiefs win forty-one to ten. Which, hey, you know, good for me because I I don't think I have any Bears players in fantasy. I do have some Chiefs guys, so yay for me there. But um, you know, Justin Fields is terrible. The Bears are terrible. Their organization is terrible. 
So there you go. If you want to, if you want to worst, if you want to worst of anything, go watch the Chicago Bears play professional football. Brent, they were supposed to be good this year too. Um, Tom said he was going to avoid the low hanging fruit. I'm not, um, because I had a really good weekend uh, for the reasons that we've already outlined outside of Auburn football. I'm just going to say Auburn football. It was bad. It was putrid. It was really hideous. Um, the thing that sticks with me the most is last year. Auburn was able to score 13 points on offense, which is not good. But Hugh Freeze and the staff brought in either seven or eight guys from the portal that started in this game on offense and managed to score three. And you've got you've got a head coach who's been marketed as this offensive guru, this quarterback whisperer, and you manage three points against a a good defense. Certainly not the best one you're going to face. And, you know, it's not like it's going to get any easier just because the defenses you're going up against aren't going to get worse just because your players get better. Um, And and you're coming in here saying, well, we're bringing in all these other guys. We're starting them. They're better than the guys who were here. The guys who were here scored 13 last year. This bunch scored three. That's I, I talent gap is an issue. It ain't that big of an issue. Uh, my worst of the weekend, uh, it, I was going to go Patriots, but they ended up winning yesterday, so I don't think I can <laughs> say a win is the worst, even though they tried to give that game away three different times with uh, drives that could have ended the game, but they said, nope, three and out, you get the ball back, Jets. Anyway, Dude, Zach Wilson is real bad. I'm going to say Zach Wilson, the only reason the Patriots won that game is because Zach Wilson was the Jets quarterback. My actual worst of the weekend, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow when we get to more college football talk. Um, the slate of games this past weekend was was slated as one of the best ones of the year. Did not live up to the hype. I, I think, you know, the Ohio State-Notre Dame game was really good. The Florida State-Clemson God, game was, was really good. Game. LSU-Arkansas was really good. Oregon and Colorado, blowout. Utah and, uh, the, and UCLA, it was a seven-point game, but it wasn't fun. It was a big defensive uh, showing from Utah, but uh, wasn't fun offensively. Um, Penn State blew out Iowa. Um, what was there was a third uh, Oregon State uh, didn't or Washington State kind of handled Oregon State too. There was some games that were billed this weekend that were going to be Alabama looked like they were basically in control of that game. They were for the most part the entirety. So there were some games that were billed as uh, big time games this past weekend. They didn't live up to the hype, uh, but we'll talk more about that um, as, as we go on throughout the week and especially tomorrow when we get to more college football talk. Before we get out of here today, it's time for our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Nightly TV Guide brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Two movie picks for you this evening at 7.20 on Freeform. It's National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. And then 6.30 on, or 7.30 on TNT. It's Back to the Future, number one, the first one, uh, for your for your viewing tonight. And then Sports On for you this evening. Uh, you've got PBA Bowling on 6 o'clock on FS. One, you got two games of Monday Night Football, the Eagles and the Buccaneers and, uh, on ABC, and then the Rams and the Bengals on ESPN at 7.15. And then 8.30 now on FS1, some baseball for you. The Padres and the Giants do battle out west. And that is a look at Night TV Guide brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Do you Seltzer. have Cubs at Brave on that? Cubs at Brave They on don't that? play tonight. Is that, that is Tuesday. It's a Tuesday That is Thursday. a Tuesday They'll night They'll be on game. the Night yep. TV Guide tomorrow night. And also tomorrow... We'll be in another edition of Sports Call. Brant, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Tom, thank you for being here. I will be here tomorrow. I am Brooks. Tom will be here tomorrow. Brant won't. We'll see if anybody else stops by. And this is Sports Call, Monday edition, done, checked off the box. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>